Welcome to the Jungle, the Auburn Basketball Podcast, hosted by Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett, two Auburn alums, no filter, no frills, just basketball. Yeah, boy! Woo! All right, man. What a win! We should be the number one team in America. On a, he said a this tight. last week. Is it actually going to yeah, happen? Yeah, said last week. It's true this week. Screw Jesse Newell. We the amazing Friday night. Amazing Pearlville. Amazing crowd on Saturday. Shout out to the students that went nuts on Saturday. Shout out to our student correspondent Matt Plexico. Follow along on Twitter if you want to see what he's up to. Man, I'm I'm thrilled. We took an usually we get on right after the game, but Matt was at a at a place so he had to come. It took an hour, and I've been thrilled for an hour. <laughs> but listening to music and like. I'm just at my apartment by myself, and I've been thrilled. Nine points against this Kentucky team. We, it was not a pretty game. It was a tough game, a physical game, and it's just another one down this line of 15 straight victories, of never doing a lost podcast, of never losing regulation this season. We just keep finding ways to win. It, if it's not one player, it's another player. You know, our guards looked kind of bad this game to start the game. Well, our big men, Kessler and Jabari, brought it through. Jalen Williams even, like, we just keep finding different ways to win, and each guy has his moments in the game, and we're, there's something special going on. We can, we can admit it now for sure that this is a special team, and get in here. <laughs> like, join in with the memes. Join in with the Pearlville. Go to a game. Watch it with your family. Take your kids to just go to a Tiger Walk or something, even if you can't get in the game because something special is going on. It is. It, it was um... – you know, we talked last week about this was the buildup of the frustration. You know, we weren't number one. And to get to number one, you had to kick down this last door. It's like this last level, last boss of a game just to accomplish something that's never been accomplished before at Auburn. And um, it was, I think the most impressive part about this game was, you know, Auburn didn't have their A-plus stuff and Kentucky had a lot to do with that. We'll get into kind of how the game went, but just to see Auburn come back down from down double digits early, rally, and then that second half, just the all the energy that the students showed in line, going in, the jungle, the arena, national television, it all kind of came together. And I think people got a really good look there at Auburn basketball, I would say, from the late first half into, you know, till about five or ten minutes to go in the, in the game. Um, just a really good performance. Great to get a win. Two-game lead on them in the SEC. All the things we've talked about. It feels just as good as I think we thought it would. Man, you're right. Maybe the fact that we didn't get that one, that number one ranking this week, made it almost that much sweeter. You know, it's just like that in so many things in life. If you're younger on the podcast, I think older people already know this, but younger people maybe don't. The harder you have to work for something, the more satisfying it is when you finally get there. If something comes to you easy, it's not as, it's, you, no matter what it is, it's not as satisfying. We had to work our tails off. We had to, it's insane to me. We've only lost one game in double overtime and we cannot get the respect we deserve. We've had to go down this ridiculous path to get the respect we deserve. It's just like in the final four year where we had to beat three blue bloods in a row to get there. It's always that much tougher for Auburn. People might call that home or whatever, but it feels just like that's, you know, I talked to Jeff Goodman on some Twitter call today about it or whatever, and he's talking about the hype and, oh, people get upset at Auburn because we don't hype them up the way we should. It's because everyone else seems to get that hype so easily. The Tennessees and the Alabamas, the Memphis, they get this preseason hype and they get the respect without doing anything. Tennessee has gotten all this hype off of doing nothing for years. It takes us 
this much hard work. We have to we have to do a kill shot. We have to knock our opponent out. We can't get to the end of the boxing match and hope for points. We have to knock that guy out. And tonight we knocked their point guard out with Walker Kessler. So we did it. <laughs> well, it was, it was you, everything you said is right on. I mean, we this is five years in the making. That's what people don't understand. It's not about this year's team. It's not about being number one, just to say you've done it. It's, it's this accumulation, you know, of getting, getting CBS there, not for Kentucky. We've been on CBS before, but it usually isn't for us. And I know there was a big thing on Twitter talking about, you know, Auburn's just doing this for Kentucky. No, they weren't. The, the reality of being in the Auburn family right now is, yeah, Kentucky's a huge game and they're a great opponent. I still think they're a really good team after watching these two teams play. But this was a buildup of what's happened this season and, and the national stage and number one. This was something Auburn wanted to take, and they just happened to be in the middle of it. So MVP here, I'm looking down the list, and I think I have my guy, but I think there's two guys you really have to talk about that had a really great game. Matt's giving me his face like he doesn't know for sure which one is it. I'm saying it's either Kessler or Jabari Smith. And I think Kessler's the leader. Oh, you don't think so? Jabari Smith's defense was amazing this game. And his offense defense being so high together at the same time. I think we have a real conversation between Kessler and Jabari. You're going to be shocked. I, I was making a face. I think there's more than two. Um, you think there's more than two? I, I, I think we at least have to discuss two other guys. Uh, Kessler and Jabari were tremendous the big you know we had some questions this year about uh, our guards who they struggled in the first half we'll we'll get into that more uh, and then our big guys can our big guys handle Shebway can they handle the overall just physicality of Kentucky I think Jabari and Walker smashed that test they, they're they were great um, I thought Wendell Green continues to be like this uh, as he goes the team goes and when he picked up his play and he was dishing all those assists to Kessler and he got his defense did get better in the second half and he got more comfortable with the pressure that Kentucky put on. I thought he kind of made a huge difference in the game. And look, we have got to talk about KD Johnson. Yeah. He, he shot six shots and he scored 17 points. He hit three threes. Uh, a couple of them I maybe didn't like, but he was overall one turnover for, for KD. I mean, he was terrific in this game. He really was. He, he had some mistakes. He had some giveth and taketh uh, moments, but I, I at least have to put him and Wendell in the conversation, I think. Right? I think KD's energy, KD's swagger is what put us over the edge. It's almost hard. It's kind of like uh, picking your favorite part of a meal. We have two steaks in Jabari and Kessler, but we have this amazing kind of like dessert or other thing that made the meal so special. Like, I don't think KD was the meat and potatoes of this game, like why we won or lost necessarily, but he made it delicious, you know, for doing that whole metaphor with food. He's like, there was a time where these guards looked bad at the beginning of the game. It was, it was the stuff we were afraid of with the guards coming to SEC play. We thought, okay, well, they did so well against out of conference, but they're smaller, our athletes are better than SEC play starts. And we think what they looked like in this first half, a little nervous of turning the ball over, couldn't drive hardly, couldn't get the offense going. That's kind of what we thought, like getting blocked at the, at the, when they do their layups, you know, we thought that's kind of like what they would look like this, but they don't look like that, but they did against Kentucky to start this game. Kentucky is going to be probably the most talented team we play the rest of the season and maybe the rest of the year, depending on who we get in March, you know, and they look like that, but man, KD came out in the second half 
And he'd said, I'm not afraid. And we knew that. He always thinks he's the best player in the court. And sometimes he is, honestly. And he said, I'm not afraid out there. And he took the ball to the hoop a couple times. He hit some in-your-face threes. He made some good defense plays. He was barking at John Calipari. He made a play where he hit like a three on somebody, I think, and he ran down the court and was guarding a guy and looks over at John Calipari and says something to him in the middle of guarding one of his guys. I I mean, KD, he's the fan favorite. People were chanting his name several times during this game well he said uh he told the coach that hey uh with some expletives mixed in that 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 guy cannot guard me that's what he was saying um he was terrific and and he nailed a three in somebody's face after kentucky had just hit a three and it was a one of those like ah i don't know if i want katie to take that in the early in the shot clock and he did he made it then he came back down and did tried to draw a foul and he didn't, but he makes it. It reminded you of those weeks ago, early in the season when he was just making everything go in the basket. And I thought that with that in the Wendell back-to-back threes were kind of the turning points of this game. Having said that, Walker Kessler playing this game against Shibway was a huge win for Auburn. He not only held his own, I thought he got the better of him for the most part. You saw why Shibway is so good. I mean, he put all his skills on display. He had 16 points, 14 rebounds, but Walker turned him away multiple times. He was great with his hands. He got his hands on rebounds. I thought we team rebounded really well, but it started with Kessler and Kessler being an offensive weapon going down that lane on lobs and finishes um, he's eight of 10 from the field, 19 points, seven rebounds. I don't know how many blocks he ended up with two or three. Probably. And it wasn't just about the blocks either. No. Walker, it was two blocks, but so many, when, when she was backing them down, when people are coming out, the amount of altered shots, the amount of times he could have gotten in foul trouble, the amount of times he could have like done one too many things, gotten out of position, the amount of times he went out on this, the, I think they're called hedging the screen, right? Went out and just completely disrupted the entire play. Some of those shot clock violations, you might as well put up to Kessler because he, when he jumped out there, these guys, they could not handle it. And then on top of that, let's go ahead and add him. He knocked a dude the mess out. <laughs> he put a screen. A there was a play. Can we talk clean. about this play right now? Yeah. That Wendell Green, uh, there, there was a guy on the other team. He played for Georgia. What was it? Wheeler. Severe Wheeler. Wheeler. Was it Wheeler? Okay. Wheeler was down there and he knocked it. We could not get the ball again. He knocked the ball out. It looked really bad. It looked like maybe this is when they're going to do their run in the second half. They were getting kind of smug. Wendell and our guards all night had trouble bringing the ball up. And it's like, oh, no, this could something could go down here. He knocks out so smug about it. He goes, runs into the crowd or comes back out, goes back out there and says, I'm going to do that thing again or whatever. Wendell flashes up the court and then, bam, Kessler's right there on the, on the uh, pick. Knocks him out. He has a concussion or whatever. Like, there's like, you don't want to celebrate somebody having a concussion necessarily, but it was a clean play. Dude was set. Dude ran into his stomach. Kessler's so huge. The other guy was so small. He ran into his stomach. I don't know how it ended up being a concussion if he flopped. I don't the second time, because Kessler did it again a second time. The dude definitely flopped and acted like he was injured or whatever. And I don't even know if that was a foul. You could say maybe his feet weren't set, but definitely felt like both times the dude was just running full speed. Kessler's fast and got in front of him, abs of steel, gave a dude a freaking concussion on that. Well, it, it's part of basketball. I mean, if, if you're going to play that extended defense, I thought Wheeler was terrific all night defensively on our guards. He was, he was, he was what Zepp is. I mean, except bigger and longer. Um, he did a terrific job, but how you counter that is you get on the run and you pick that guy. <laughs> you know, you can go back to youth basketball. That's what you do. 
And, um, you know, really the blame for that kind of comes on Cheapway because you're supposed to call out when your man is about to set a screen so your guy knows he doesn't get blindsided. Having said that, I don't know if he could have heard it. Uh, we had the ball. You wouldn't think it would be that loud. But really, the responsibility basketball-wise is on the big guy to tell your guard that, hey, this big guy's about to come pick you and you need to duck around it or get over it or whatever. I, I want to talk about Jabari. I mean, I'm yeah. taking my hat here a little bit, but I want to talk about Jabari before we ultimately come to our decision. Jabari, he, he was – it's another game just like the Bama game where he was on to start the game. He didn't miss a shot in the first half except for one shot where he went through a guy's hands in a jump shot. Sure, I would like to see the replay in slow-mo or whatever, but it's one of his plays where he gets the guy moving too much and he runs the ball through his hands, gets the foul, and then shoots the ball. He missed that one. They didn't call. I've not seen, man, 95% of the time a player gets that call when they make that move where the guy's too close and they work through his hands. So far, he's done it several times this year. So he didn't miss a shot, in my opinion, that wasn't a foul the entire first half. But we did not give him the ball for what? The first six minutes, right? First six minutes, he didn't take a shot. In, we got to get him the ball. I know we've talked about the Bruce and this team is such a team effort. It's amazing that we can sit here and talk about three different players that might be the MVP. And we're going to talk through everybody in this team because it was such a team effort. I don't feel like anybody in this team was like necessarily like the absolute guy you got to pick, which is amazing. But Jabari did that. And then he played good in the second. He had a jump shot that, oh my God, I yelled in my own apartment by myself, draft this man <laughs> because it was incredible <laughs> two guys all over him but he's six foot nine and elevated and hit that jump shot from like the elbow or whatever you call it between the three-point line and the free throw line just some incredible NBAs even in the NBA that's an incredible move to watch him do this he just does things you, no one's can do you wish we could have worked the ball more he played 30 minutes which is a lot but there were still big gaps that you wish you could have played more you said wow they're not going to put him in again because our team was playing so well at the time with Jalen and everybody in but really the offense for me, which I'll, I'll get you here in a minute, but the offense for me was amazing because it was so efficient. But honestly, the defense was even more incredible. He had two amazing blocks when we really need them where he there was one guy that was working on him for a while trying to do something to him. He just stayed in front of him. He tried to back him down. He said, no. He stayed strong on him. And that's one thing we talked about with Javar. If he was too, like, maybe he needs to put some weight on or something. This guy tried to back him down. And he said, no. This guy tried to move past him. He said, no. Then he went the shot. And he swatted that thing out of bounds and he had blocked another one earlier that was a big one where I think Walker had gotten up in the air maybe missed the block and then Jabari came in and cleaned it up with his own block and then later on in the game with about two or three minutes left he gets a great steal that was very important his defense was locked on so the fact that his offense and defense at the same time were so efficient it's hard not to give him the MVP so I'll let you the, the case for Jabari is defensively um he was as good defensively as he's been all year. He left a couple shooters open, but, you know, overall, he was much more engaged. The case against Jabari, he was one for six in the second half shooting. Um, didn't really – We Auburn made their big run to take a big double-digit lead without him on the floor. And um, I, I didn't – look <laughs> – the shots he made in the first half and then the shot you're talking about, he, he did his run stopping thing. It was the perfect time for him to hit that NBA shot. I'm not taking that away from him, I, but I didn't feel like he was necessarily. And again, it speaks to this team, right? Like to have that guy, of course we need to get him more shots. Of course he needs to get, we need the ball. To get him some open shots. We are really relying on him to hit these well, contested open threes and hang open on. Threes. Yeah. first, First, another thing I missed out on the case against him, two horrific turnovers. Yeah. The first of which was 
a wide open three at his spot on the first possession of the game that he did not take for reasons unknown to me. He tries to drive in, get stripped, lay up the other way. The other one was a breaking press, which we've just continued to see him struggle in that four spot. Bruce likes to use the power forward to help bring the ball up in that. I really think we might need to. We had trouble, we had trouble all night with that, bringing the ball up and breaking those yep. presses. It was really not but, fun to be on the other but, side of it. But the shots Jabari made, fantastic. He had all three free throws. He gave us uh, – he got fouled on a three. We were down two. He hit all three free throws to give us our first lead in the second half. Um, he was great. I just think Eileen uh, – Eileen Kessler, uh, because of that matchup with Shibway, I know he had a lot of dunks, but I felt like – I felt like he just impacted the game in so many different ways. And he was on the floor more than Jabari. KD had the most minutes. And I think that speaks to how well KD played. I, I, you're not going to go wrong giving it to KD, Jabari, or Kessler, in my opinion. I think i go with Walker. They, they all have arguments. And Jabari, man, enjoy the mess out of this. The shots he can make, no one else can make. It's incredible. That jump shot, uh, we just hope it's there in March and we, we see it in the, we've, we've already, I keep saying March. I don't want to like put too much emphasis on March when we've had so much fun during the season, the game like this, when he can hit what we call, like, I think we could trademark it, his run stoppers. When he hits that incredible shot, when nothing else seems to be going down, we can't seem to get the ball going, but he still hits that contested three. He hits that jump shot that it, you know, everybody in every fan base, it's amazing when they you know, in their head, they're saying, what are you supposed to do against that? You can't do anything against that. Like, we did everything right. He still made it because he's that smooth. It, it's like that possession. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this like I did, where Auburn just played great defensively in the second half for the most part. They had it. They knocked it out with, like, two seconds left. We forced them to throw it into Shibway, like, just inside the three-point line. Like, yeah. super long two. He just chucks it up, and it goes in. And that's yeah. the feeling you must have when you – All game, though. You, you have a hand in Jabari's face. You have – Two guys at that point running. That shot that you're talking about, I mean, I, I think everybody who listens to this probably watched the game. If you didn't, you've got to see that shot. They sent a double team at him to try to get the ball out of his hands. Wendell's wide open for three, but it's like you're – and you keep calling him 6'9". He's 6'10". Um, he is – he's just shoots it over him, and it really was – it's rare that you see, like, an NBA play. You just see it in, in as a true freshman in college. He just has that ability. There was a play in the St. Louis game, I believe, where he drove the ball at the court at the end of the clock, about 10 seconds on the clock or something, and he went this jump shot, and, he, and I got flashes of March. I could see me watching that in a bar on TBS in the Sweet 16 and him hitting that to win a game. That play tonight, I saw him in a Cavaliers jersey, a Knicks jersey, a Houston <laughs> Rocket, whatever, flash with freaking LeBron James on him or somebody and hitting that shot. That's how you just got to watch that moment. I hope it translates as well in the highlights. But to give the final MVP, I know your choice is Kessler, and I'm going to do a little college game day style mascot head thing. I'm going Kessler yeah. with the Kessler hat. The I've been wearing hat. Kessler. I've had this hat for about a decade now. That's aging me a little bit, but I've been on the train, the bucket hat, Kessler train for a while. And what puts him over is not just his offense, not just his defense, but who he had to play tonight. We talked yep. about that Sheebway matchup, and we just wanted that to be a net like neutral and she had a decent game you hit that crazy shot he had his rebounds and everything but Kessler won the matchup just so many great alleys that's just becoming like our bread and butter at this point that Wendell's going to drive the ball and he's either going to lay it up and score or he's going to put it in the air to, to Kessler and like 80 percent of the time we're going to do something good there and Kessler only Kessler could do that kind of stuff at his size and the way he catches things 
The chemistry is great. We saw just some good defensive moves. We saw him get a foul or two on people. Love Kessler. We, we, I, can you even imagine? I mean, if y'all have been listening to us since the beginning of the season, I mean, th- there was a point, you know, halfway through non-conference play where we were like, I just, is this, can this guy like play in the SEC? Can he play? And he just keeps answering. And this is obviously the biggest test, him and Castleton, which he already played. He'll play Castleton again uh, in Gainesville. But um, he, he's terrific. And it's everything. He's so coachable. He's always in the right spot. Incredible defender. Bruce, um, in his pregame press conference, was really starting to stump for him. For He, he said he should be considered for National Defensive Player of the Year. Like he, oh, yeah. If you're and, number one in blocks in the country, you better well, be. And then on top of that, he alters everything. Yeah, and it's not just blocks, right? And that's what Bruce says. It's it's He can switch on a guard and either block his three. We've seen that. That should be a mismatch, right? Right. Kessler goes out on those guards, and I'm excited. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. This guard's not going to do anything. <laughs> and just to, like – I just thought it was probably a draw with him and Sheboy, but like Sheboy's really good. Like, and you, you saw some of the moves, you saw his power, his size, just the fact that Auburn won rebounding in this game. They, they won by one. And that does not happen if we don't get a heroic effort from our big guy. And I keep pointing it out 31 minutes, a guy can stay on the floor, zero fouls in the first half. We talked all week about foul trouble in Kentucky and, Kentucky got 20 fouls. We got 12 tonight. So it kind of worked at home in our favor a little bit. But the reason for that is when you play really good defense and play the right way. And Walker is just dialed in right now. And I, I think it's incredible. He's our leading point scorer in a game like this against Sheepway. Like, and, and last thing, I, I know I'm ramp, ramp, rambling and raving here, but we talked about in our preview what happens when Kessler goes over to block shots? And we saw that, right? Sheepway got a lot of dunks and finishes. Well, the great thing was we had the same thing. When our guys would get in there, Sheepway goes over, Kessler's right there. Um, so you really, we really were able to counteract Kentucky's, one of Kentucky's best cards that they play. I think you said, you said it's a neutral. Overall, if you look at the stat sheet, it probably is similar to like, okay, they both had their moments. They both scored. He scored 16, Kessler scored 19. Kessler had two blocks, even though I feel like you don't see on the stat sheet how much insanity he does, yep. like yep. from an altering shot standpoint. Uh, Sheway had four blocks. He had 14 rebounds. Kessler had seven rebounds. But a lot of times Kessler doesn't get all the rebounds he should because he's so busy blocking that, you know, which we can talk about that as a defensive issue sometimes. But I think overall when Sheway and Kessler were one-on-one, I felt like Kessler won the battle. Sheway did get a couple points there, but it was Kessler made him work when yep. those went in every time i said to myself what are you going to do good that, defense that free throw line yeah that free throw line jump shot with two seconds left. i was like what are you going to do some of the back downs he did i felt like perfect positioning by kessler made Sheway toss that ball sky high and just some of them went in but most right. of them didn't and i felt uh, very I'm, good about that i'm so thrilled the thing i kept saying i, I sometimes get in coach mode watching these games like don't help don't help against Sheepway. Let Kessler play him. He can handle it one-on-one. If Sheepway scores a tough two without getting fouled, then that's fine for us. Like, I, I'd rather – I thought Auburn did a great job of staying disciplined, not letting Kentucky hit a ton of threes on us or double down. Like, let Sheepway get a hard two. We can trust Kessler with that. And I, I didn't start saying that till the second half once I saw Kessler could really hold his own. That's a good point by you. He, when they were one-on-one isolated, he probably did get the better of that matchup most times. Um, or more, at least a majority. 
I think uh, an interesting thing is that we completely forgot to do pregame notes. Every <laughs> game this season, we have done pregame notes on our Instagram. And we were so busy with Pearlville and the Twitter stuff and the memes and everything. And we almost forgot Georgia too. There's just so much going on with this team that yep. like there's so much to keep up with and so much excitement that we have forgotten the almost last two weeks how to do that because it's just so exciting. There's so much to talk about besides our little pregame notes. That was kind of like to jazz up our own hype. Now that's so hype, we don't need it. But if, if we kind of substitute that, I think something to substitute that with is to talk about our two usual things, rebounding and turnovers. And we'll start with rebounding I think there's less to talk about. But Kentucky with 26, Auburn with 27, about even. It was a tough battle. There was some great – like. Like, you don't usually remember too many rebounds. I remember several rebounds. There was a great one by Jabari. They even showed on replay where he brought one down. Kessler had some really tough ones. There was a lot of pushing and shoving in there that they let go, and people got the rebounds. They did call one or two. Shibwe is just super impressive with 14 rebounds. I don't know, like, part of that is just how impressive he is. Part of that seems to be, like, some sort of strategy with them that their team is not crashing, and he just goes and gets them by himself a lot of the times. I don't know like the background of how that works. Some of it's because our guys go for blocks so often that they're not in the right position. Some of the points Shibuya ended up with were from off blocks, off good defensive plays where Kessler's up in the air and Shibuya's able to get that rebound and put it back. So that's the rebounding battle. Any thoughts? Just um, I think that's a win if Auburn wins that. I mean, I, it was great to go into this game thinking we had enough size and enough um, strength to battle them. I, I mentioned watching the AM Kentucky game. That was just a bloodbath. I mean, that was a physical basketball game. I knew Kentucky was going to kind of bring that. For us to break even and win rebounding is by one, that's a win in my book. So that's a really – and I just thought we team kind of gang rebounded really well. We tipped balls to each other. It seemed like we got a lot of those loose balls, especially after the first 10 minutes or so. Um, it, it's a team effort when you and KD skied for four really good rebounds. I remember some of his Flanagan having him out there for big rebounds in this game. Like rebounding is so important. And, you know, we didn't you realize how important rebounding is when you can't get any. And we never got to that point, even with a elite rebounder on the other end uh, in Seaway. So I think that's a great job by the entire team. And I think I, the staff probably put a ton of emphasis on that this week. I think the next one tells a, a good story of the game. You know, we kind of go through these MVP discussions and we kind of go through these stats in our pregame. It ends up telling the story of the game a little bit. The turnovers were nine turnovers for Kentucky, 12 turnovers for Auburn. Do you have the points off turnovers over there in the other stats? Yeah, it's a 22 to 13, Kentucky won it. And I think that tells a lot of the story, especially in the first half. I don't know if you want to walk us through a little bit, like our guard play and the turnovers in the first half to start the game. Yeah, I mean, it's a big problem. We were, we were tracking it this year, if you've kind of been with us. Um, they had 20-something turnovers in the first SEC game. They had 18 the next game. It's just way too many for a team this talented. They had gotten it down to single digits, I believe, the last two games. And they ended up having eight in the first half, and it started on the first possession with Jabari uh, passing up a wide-open three and getting in trouble. You mentioned the guard pressure. Severe Wheeler was terrific defensively uh, against our guards. I think that shows that we have some concerns there. Um, I love how Auburn answered, but we were hitting the mouth early with their defensive pressure. And we kind of just, guys were dropping. Pat Cardwell really struggled on his first rotation, turned the ball over. Kessler missed a dunk and had a couple other, um, just a lot of mistakes, a lot of, maybe a little hyped up, maybe a little nervous. Um, but Kentucky, you have to give credit to Kentucky. I, I think they, it was, 
They controlled the action. I think it was 75% Kentucky just playing so well, and I don't want to play them again, honestly. I think there's a lot of national people, the the narrative right now in Kentucky after that Tennessee ridiculous blowout is that Kentucky, a lot of times the Calipari's team, they're, they're always talented. They always recruit well, and they don't always mesh as a team. And they honestly, for five years now, have not really messed as a team. That 2020 season got canceled with COVID. We played them really hard. I think that was one that was actually turning the corner, and they – both for us and for them, it sucked. That got canceled. But I think this the narrative is this team is turning from that just a talent, but not sure if they're a team, to a talented team. And it's I don't want to play them again. I think if the, depending on how some of these injuries and different things work out from this game, which we'll talk about in a bit, I don't want to play. I think they could be really good. I think we just beat what's going to end up being a top 10 team at the end of the year. And that this was like it looked ugly in this game, and it's because they were that good. And we came in with like a 25% nerves i mean you saw that the team knows the team knows how crazy the fans are right now the team knows they're ranked number two and wants to be number one and that this is the biggest shot they'll ever have i mean we have some freshmen on this team we have some transfers that played in that big of a games necessarily yeah we saw them on instagram we saw them everywhere they knew how big this game was and the people that seem to thrive in that which thank god uh flandigan did well he's a he's a uh, a veteran last year in that gonzaga game when everyone else looked flabbergasted and shell-shocked he was the only one that seemed like he he should have been on the floor same with this game he went and got our first four points and thank god because the first like six minutes this game or so it did not look great we looked a little out of our game almost like kentucky was the home team and we were the away team having to deal with the fans which really sucked because our fans were going nuts it just the nerves seemed to do it KD had a really weird play where we were late in the shot clock and he tried to put it between the guy's legs. And I don't fully blame him for that because it was really late in the shot clock and he had two guys right there. Not the best play, but we had several like that early, some turnovers, Wendell, KD, Zep. It was everybody. It was, everybody like you said, yeah. nobody looked comfortable. I think they went out 4 nothing or something. We went up 7-4. Um, so we kind of bounced back from that initial punch and hit a couple shots. But after that, I mean, Kentucky just went on a good butt whooping run on us, and and it was everybody. It kind of, like you said, it felt like nobody was really, um, nobody was there to kind of step up and make the proper play. And they settled in throughout the rest of that first half, and the offense was still bad. The offense struggled all first half. It really did. It, and we'll talk about why. It wasn't necessarily shooting. It was getting into our offense, taking care of the ball, all those things, and just some bad, some bad breaks too with, with some calls. And it was 25% nerves. You know, I talked, that was my whole spiel on the 25% nerves. 75%, they just played really well. Kentucky is a good team, and yep. I don't want to have to play them again. And they were pressuring us the entire time. I think any team that has the athletes that can do it, that's going to be a strategy on our guards right now. I think you saw a little bit of issue with some of their guards that were slightly bigger than our guards and just as athletic, really causing some issues. We couldn't drive the ball. Wendell got one that got really slapped away where he just, I, I think he not freaked out, but said something needs to happen. I'm going to drive like I would normally drive and didn't have like an exit plan and just got the thing swatted so bad. And so I, I hope we don't see another team this talented again. We really honestly might not through the entire, even in the, in March Madness, there's a chance that we don't see a team this talented again. So you just hope that, you know, we, we learned from this and we, we did honestly in the second half, Katie Johnson had some swagger that really did help us like the same in that old Miss game. He's the X factor on this team. I don't know how, how exactly to explain it. We've talked about how he gives and he takes, but it's beyond that because sure he did. Even in this game, he gave up an open three where he was complaining about some sort of foul where he could have just finished out on a three and then went right back and hit a three in their face and started smack talking and like really brought us back. But it's not just that. 
the energy he brings, the swagger he brings, the he just seems to know when there's blood in the water. Yep. Some really frustrating times this game where another big part of it was not just the turnovers. It was that we could not seem to get running. We could not do like, we want to run. We want turnovers. We want chaos. We want to shoot transition threes. We want to do crazy stuff. We could not seem to get it going. And our guys, not only from there, if things can't get going because they're making shots or there's fouls or whatever, when there's a missed shot, we have to almost create that. And we were not creating it. We were not pushing it. Wendell, Zepp, planning it all. Of them. They were tentative to, to like push that ball. And there was a couple of times in the end of the first half, early second half, where we got a long rebound. I said, go, just go. I don't even care if it's like risky. Just go down there and get people moving. And KD was the guy that was like, screw it. I'm going to go. And he did a great job of going, but not just going. He didn't crash the, the layup. He only had maybe one layup like that. And he got a foul call on it and made his free throws. He just, he would go sprint up the court and get things moving. And that opened up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, and I would back up a little bit to, to wrap up our turnover story a little bit. I thought Wendell figured it, figured it out in his second rotation in and later in the first half, when you saw all those lobs to Kessler and some good passes and it seemed like Wendell kind of settled into the game there. And then the second half, absolutely. I, I thought the biggest difference in the first and second half, the defense got better, but really the three guards just played way better. Zepp was way more comfortable, took a big charge, hit a big shot when it was like tied or close. KD did all the things you just talked about, and Wendell just really took over running the offense. Now, look, we have to be honest. And the thing I was going to say about turnovers, um, I texted you at halftime. I said, look, it, it just I think we win if we just cut down on the turnovers and turn them over more. And we went from eight to four, uh, and then we bumped them up from four to five. We didn't force – you're right. We didn't force as many and make this game ours as much as you would like. But we did have our runs in the second half. We were able to get out and kind of avalanche them some. And I, I don't know if this is a good time to talk, but we do need to mention, you know, Severe Wheeler got was limping at one point. Then he got knocked out on the screen. Then he got knocked out again. And then Ty Ty second Washington. Second one. The second. Hang on, we'll get there. But Ty Ty Washington is a guy that we really wanted on this team. Bruce really wanted. Great player. Probably an NBA player uh, this year or next year or whatever. Um, he some come, great NIL money. We've talked about that. Okay. Nobody cares. He comes down on his ankle and um, he's out for the game. And, and that is a factor in this. I think our guards were able to settle in and take advantage of that and kind of assert their will on the game more in the second half. Yeah. That literally had pulled up Ty Ty Washington's stats to bring up that next point. I think that that's the two biggest narratives in this game. Maybe, maybe the three us going for number one, the turnovers to start and then the injuries. And part of this is me, the tie tie one's just a freak thing. Things happen yep. like that. He stepped on yep. his own, uh, his own player on his team's teammates, but yep. rolled his ankle. You hate it for him. Uh, luckily just from looking briefly online. So it does not seem to be the like a leading narrative that they lost this game because of injuries or anything like that. Part of it was just, it was a tough game. It, it was. was a physical game. Things like that. Kessler, like that's just part of the game that you ran into that screen I don't, he, I don't think it's, it's the same guy, right? They ran to the screen yep. both times. Okay. Yep. So he looked like he was like straight concussed. I didn't know if he was going to come back or not. I wonder if that. I, honestly, that uh, what I said was if, if that second one affected him that bad, he didn't need to be in the game. I don't know what they did. They took him back in the back for like five or 10 minutes and brought him back. Maybe, like, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's it. That he was dealing with that because the second one was really not that bad. Bob, it was kind of yeah. like a, yeah, I don't know. It was not a. The first one was a little crazy. I mean, he was full on sprinting and ran to a wall. Kessler, even then, I was like, you ran into his stomach. Like, 
I don't see like he didn't like hit his elbow or hit heads or anything like that, but okay. It's maybe it was like a whiplash scenario kind of thing. Yeah, the second one was just kind of like a shoulder down a little bit from him, like a foot away. Well, he just ran yeah. into Kessler's arm. I mean, yeah, with his head. Just... And uh, I and Kessler is literally not moving at all. He's just hedging that screen and keeping it on the sideline yeah. like he's supposed to do. And he just ran it. It shouldn't have been a foul on Kessler. And Cal yeah. was mad only, for I have no the idea. Way you could, the only way you could even call that a foul was that maybe he was moving a little bit still. He wasn't really. Not very much if he was. was. I think, honestly, how much of it was twofold? The guy fell down acting like he was, like, dead. And then the other fold, Calipari was literally inches away from the referee's ear. If if you ever want to know how – we talk about how coaches are just insane in college basketball, like, personality-wise, they're just crazy. They really are. And Cal wanted them to give, like – a flagrant one foul on that and it's like he they literally at something right they looked at something on the thing. he literally didn't do it he just stood there if, if anything it should have been a no call um but anyway it didn't matter. you love it you do that caliper because it only just it makes your like reputation in that referee's head during the game like that much more like you can't listen to this guy he's not even being reasonable i'm sure they all say crazy stuff uh the home i don't know if this is a homer take or how i feel about it but i think we came in a little frazzled a little nervous a little anxious and that no matter what, no matter if Ty Ty went out, I think he is a big difference, but I think we would have settled into this game. Yep. Either way, we would have figured it out. I think it was not like they played very well, but I don't think Ty Ty was like the guy that was sl- slowing us down. It was our own turnovers. It was our own anxiousness. I think, sure, maybe the game would have been a little tighter on the stretch. We wouldn't have had that like seven or eight minutes basically down the second half where it felt like it was ours and we just didn't need to lose it. Maybe Ty Ty keeps them in there a little more on that. So I hope, I hope that narrative doesn't stretch out. I'm sure that more toxic sides of Kentucky's fan base, just like the more toxic side of Auburn's would, if Alan Flanagan or KD or somebody else went out. Ty Day's a really good player. He's probably might be the most talented player on that team. She would, or at least from like an NBA perspective, he averages 14 points per game, which is really well. I think Wendell averages like 15. That's a so lot he, for Kentucky. Kentucky yeah, doesn't score a lot. He's a good player. I don't want to have to run into him again. I hope he's healthy. I hope that's not like a thing we have to look back on or whatever. Uh, but this was a huge win either way. I think those are the two narratives, turnovers, getting I, back into shape and those injuries. I have two more things I just want to talk about. Um, we beat Kentucky with them having lead, beating us in fast break points, 16 to 6. Um, that is pretty shocking that we were in a half court game for the most part we did get out a little bit in the second half so I just want to point that out that's rare for an Auburn Kentucky matchup with Bruce Pearl team to lose fast break points by 10 to a team that tends to want to slow it down a little more and 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 this was a low possession game I don't know if you saw this you know we only shot 44 shots but the difference in the game was we shot really well when we were able to take care of the ball and get into our offense we shot well. We shot 57% from the field, which is fantastic. 38% from three, hit one more three than they did. And then the free throws, we, we were 15 for 15 in the second half on free throws, which that's really, if we haven't talked about it yet, it, you, don't, you don't win the game if KD, Flanagan, uh, Kessler was three for four. Um, J- Jalen hit all three of his when he was fouled on a three. Jabari hit all three of his. Like that stuff in this kind of game that was slow, and shortens the game like with possessions we don't win without a really good shooting performance so I want to give our kids credit that they they shot really well at all levels against a really good defensive team yeah I feel like shooting good and free throw is almost contagious 
Mm. last year, I believe it was, was so frustrating to watch how bad we were at free throws and lose games essentially off free throws and feel like we couldn't stay in games because of free throws. And to watch this team feel so confident doing it. I think Flanagan had a bad one where he missed two in a row, but everybody else had a really good game from free throws on that. And he ended up with four or six, but it's contagious. And it's, it's not sexy or fun to talk about free throws necessarily, but man, when they're not going in, you're talking about them. It's, you know, it's, it's nice to be confident. You know, when we put my hands up to do AU to feel pretty good that most of that time, I'm not going to have to put them down in frustration. And Wendell, we haven't really talked about it, but man, he's like 80 something percent this year from the free throw line. He has been terrific as a guy moving up to this level hitting some clutch, crucial free. I think he went to the line for a one-and-one one when Auburn was up four or six, kind of late. And it's like, you missed the front end of that. And they come back down and hit a three. All of a sudden, this game, and he just buried both of them calmly. Um, was there one where we were – I think it was a, a, a bonus plus where he shoot two or whatever. But we didn't even put anybody in there for a rebound. What was going on with that? Was it um, – it was, was not that late in the game. I felt like like five minutes maybe left. We sometimes you do shooting. that if you're uh, if you're protecting certain guys. Although I think Kessler only ended up with what three fouls. Maybe he had three, and they were trying to protect him. Both free throws. We didn't even put him in there, and I felt like it wasn't that late in the game. But maybe it was later than I thought. I don't know. It's sometimes people do that. They'll they'll do it if the big guys at the line. Sometimes like the guy who usually would go get the rebound if he's at yeah. the free throw line. Sometimes they're shooting. So I don't know. But um. Or with Wendell, you might just be like, he's going to make two. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we can go down the, the roster here a little bit, and then maybe we can talk some more narrative stuff and just how we felt about the entire, like, uh, game and the entire atmosphere and the, our national perspective and everything. But we'll go down the list here. We've talked about Walker a ton. Do you have any more you want to talk about Jabari? Just really encouraged that he met the challenge defensively. Um, obviously, every team is going to try to be in his face, grab him, uh, I'm glad that he got uh, at least one or two foul calls. They're just crowding his jump shot so bad, and I just you just hope that he nobody gets under his feet landing. You know that's how those injuries happen, and people are getting real close, and they're hitting him a lot on strip shots, like you mentioned one. So just thought he was really good, um, but it's also just awesome to see that we can win a game with him sh- having 14 points and shooting one of six in the second half against a team like Kentucky. It just speaks to that depth again. But he was great, and. There was points in the game, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you thought this, I thought our guys, you've talked about, hey, Jabari's the guy, like we need to get him the ball. Maybe they didn't get him the ball as much as they should, but there was a feeling at certain points in that game where it was like, all right, where's Jabari? <laughs> Especially in the first half when we were struggling and he was hitting some of those shots. He had a good little run in the first half that kind of kept us in it. They're always going to be on him tight. They know he's our best player from a talent standpoint. They're going to be on him tight. And I think, I don't know, like if you're going to take another step, like he's already exceeded, like even from his, his like hype, he's already where, I don't know, maybe even with the most hyped up I could get about him, the shots he can make and things. There's just like a couple little things that maybe if we can get him a little more open, sure he gets an open three shot or two, but it doesn't feel like we do very many things for him through the offense. It feels like there's a lot of like, all right, you got him ball. Now he's going to like, kind of like do some juke steps and hit a contested three, hit a, a jump shot we've tried it at points to work him down low kind of like a power four with a jump shot you know we, we've tried a couple of things I, I do want to see him get a couple more like in the flow of the offense shots oh. compared to what we're doing now we I don't to, well, I was just gonna say we don't that's just our offense though I think yeah. I think we have to like he I thought he did have a couple play he had a beautiful um fake on Shibway and 
and dished to Kessler from working yes. inside. He got inside. He had another one where he drove baseline, I think, and scored in the first half. So he, I think it's on him. Bruce's job is to get him the ball, right, and, and, yeah. and in enough times if the team isn't doing it. I thought maybe he was a little late on that today. But if, like, Jabari also has to make it a point especially against lesser teams, like you got to go to the basket sometimes too. Yeah. Like otherwise people are going to crowd your three. They still are, but you got to, if they're going to be up there, you got to be able to go past them. So I think that's I mean, something that's kind of, I was getting to not only that, that he had that play and even the announcers brought it up. That play is going to be there for him at any point he wants. He dribbled that ball past him and he, he slowed up a little too early kind of, I don't know if that's partly his like not being the best dribbler in the world as we've kind of seen at times. And he just laid it off to an open Kessler because everybody was crashing on Jabari right there. He just wanted to see it. He didn't do it all the time. Just do it enough to make it a threat. So they're not completely all over you, right? It's gotten to a point where they're fouling him almost everything. Like it's kind of like almost if there's an open layup foul, the guy they're like, if he's looks like he's about to shoot a three, just foul him because he's going to make it. So he just needs to drive a little more. If we can like find a way to make him more comfortable and draw something up. Let's do it. I think he's got to, if you can get him the ball moving towards the goal at the three-point line, if it's moving towards the goal and you get the ball, he can finish it pretty in a pretty great way. We just haven't done that very often. So that, that's Jabari. He does have a step or two. He can step up from now. It's just hard to be tough on him when he's playing so so well. Yep. Flanagan, eight points, uh, two turnovers, four rebounds, O of two from three. Uh, I came in thinking he'd be more, I think maybe just getting some of the groove back that I thought he might be one of our best three point shooters on the team. And I was really looking forward to having a guy like KD is in window of both turned into guys that I feel really confident with open threes to, at this point, I thought Flanagan at times when Wendell and KD didn't always look great at that. Maybe when Flanagan gets back, he'll be one of our best open three guys. He's not shown it yet. He's like, I don't know. He's hit two to start the, the game last on Wednesday, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I just hate because I think the two that he shot, no, I think maybe one was a step back. I don't know. But at least there was at least one open one tonight he missed that I was like, dang, I have a lot of confidence in this guy. We've talked about he's my guy, you know. He he started off the game with our first four points and we needed it. We were a little anxious yeah. and nervous. He went and got yeah. it. He tried thought- a couple more times to be the alpha at times, dribbling the ball and it didn't work out quite as well. I don't know if he, he lost a little meat on his bones, I feel like that maybe would have helped. I feel like he was more muscular last year. I don't know. He's still getting in the groove, but it was much better than having Cambridge in there, honestly. And Cambridge had – we'll talk about Cambridge. He had some good moments, but I still feel like we took a step up from like a C to a B right now. You're you're right. I I think we're continuing to see these glimpses, right? He really had some good drives, some two assists, some good passes off his drives. I thought he was very productive with his touches. Um, If you take those two, maybe one of those three-pointers was a little forced – but and and I, I thought defensively he looked the best he's looked on the ball, um, defending whoever had you know when his guy has the ball that I've seen this year. I think he's it's just Achilles injuries are a big deal too. I think we maybe haven't talked about that enough. Like I think he's just lost this half step, right? Yeah, he got yeah. some charge calls in a game or two now. He like he got blocked I think on one of his drives this game where it felt like last year he just kind of finished through contact and that was like one right. of his best moves and he hasn't quite maybe he's missing like a an inch there that he would have finished. So you hope he's getting it back. Uh, I think he is still, it's not trending. It's as just fast not going to look like, but I think we just have to say, it's not going to look like the year that you maybe thought in the yeah. preseason where he was going to come back and like be this launching, but because yeah. this team quite honestly has been so much better than we expected without him in there. I just, I need him to do that. That one thing, like the finish through contact at the rim 
And but I he's doing that. Be, he's he's doing that to his left hand now. He's I mean he's to, driving. To he got blocked on one this time, and I feel like he's got some good probing drives still that I think are going to keep getting better. Uh, I just expected him to come in. He played so well last year and improved so much last year and showed kind of that touch that you know an NBA player has that other people might not have. They have the athleticism, but they don't have the touch, and he has the touch. And I don't know. He just hadn't quite gotten there. He's not that late first-rounder guy right now. He's more of an early second-rounder guy right now, right, even even if he's that. I would say for his we'll, – we'll see how the year goes. I, I would say it's setting up where he probably needs to come back and be yeah. the guy again on a team like he was last year because this is just different. This is a different team with so many different players. I, we haven't mentioned that as we walk through the roster. I think a lot of what you saw in the um, first part of this first half was just it's, it's all these guys' first time playing an elite team together. I mean, yeah. playing a team – I agree with you. I think this is a top-10 Kentucky team. Um, and – I just think it's it's kind of human nature. It's like, okay, like this is our group. We feel really good about what we've been, but then you get hit in the mouth and it's like, all right, we need to figure something out. And they did and they adjusted. But I think we, we have to be careful not to, this was kind of the, I think everybody acknowledged this was the biggest game of the year, the most difficult opponent, Bruce said that, the toughest opponent they've played all year to this point. And, um, you know, I, it showed, but it should show when you've got six players that are new to your roster, you know, it's, it's, it's a new group. It felt like the two players that honestly like were ready for it and been war veterans were Flanagan and Jalen Williams. And they yep. feel like they, they've seen the wars and, you know, even like Kessler and Johnson, they played on teams last year. UGA did not uh, like, I don't know what real experience he got UGA at that point. He was just like playing like a video game, just play and do what you can or whatever. Uh, Kessler's at North Carolina, but they weren't very good last year. And I don't know during a COVID year, if he got that same like big atmosphere, you know, experience. Uh, the next guy on here is Katie Johnson. We talked about him a good bit. I mean, just praising him, honestly, because we've been so hard on him. And he still does the give and take stuff. But honestly, it's trending in a great way. You know, he's still not maybe the 10 out of 10 UConn game. Like, oh, my God, we have a star. But he is the X factor, and we know it. And I think we're getting to a point in the last couple of games, if he can keep playing like this, that you feel really good about him being out there at any time, that he's going to make something happen. And even if he does give up a thing here or there, you're going to ultimately be on the positive side. He played the most minutes of anybody tonight on for a reason. Uh, Bruce really liked him. You mentioned his swagger, his tenacity. We talk about his shots. Yeah, he shot six shots and scored 17 points. That is super efficient. He hit his threes. He hit a couple that he he believes he can make it, you know, and he has that mentality. Six for seven at the line is massive for him. He's struggled at times at the free throw line. I just thought, and defensively, he may not have had like the classic Hamburg moment, but man, he was so much more solid defensively on the perimeter. And and that's what I've personally wanted to see from him. And I, I think you're right. I think it's trending in a good direction. He hit some bumps into SEC play. It was really rocky. Uh, and I still think, I just think he's that kind of player. He's going to be kind of up and down depending on the game, but um, man, I, I don't think we win this game without KD Johnson. No, I don't think so either. And but I think there was one interesting moment we could talk about. He, I mean, he brings so much energy. The fans love it. We love it. The stands were chanting KD several times this game, at least two or three times, which was which was hilarious. I love that the they get to. There was also a great moment. There's two. I'll go into two moments. Let's talk about the first one. He was so excited and going crazy. The referee told Alan Flanagan to go calm him down. They took a break. They took like a five to 10 second break 
for Flanagan to jog over to KD in the corner and say something to him and then jog back. And then the referee said, okay, now we can throw the ball in. I don't know what was going on or like, I have not seen that happen before. He has set the precedent. It, it really is amazing. He has no technicals this year. Zero. And uh, oh, and he was barking at Calipari. <laughs> oh, he, he'll, he'll bark at the ref. He'll jump. I think he's done this brilliant thing. It's like Charles Barkley can get away with saying whatever he wants because he just says he has a long-term history of just saying whatever he wants. And people have just kind of accepted it. I think Katie came in so off the top rope with energy. Honestly, I think the refs even that. like acknowledge that like, okay, this is just what this guy's going to do. I promise you Jabari has how many three techs? throughout this year and it's because Jabari's so quiet and so level-headed most of the time when he reacts it, free, it, it almost makes me laugh now because Katie just runs around like a psycho like we talked yeah. about and and everybody's okay with it and Auburn embraces it and I think it was great to see him with the fans last night he had a big picture with a bunch of the Pearlville he's students. embraced it he's embraced um, the he was on the meme right he was on yeah, the, so the that meme. was my second point first of all I love your comparison off the top rope energy that is the kind of energy, the psycho energy, the off the top rope energy. He is always looking to make that big splash, that big like haymaker. That is like him at all times. He's hunting for the haymaker, which is both defensively and on offense. He's like, he's not looking for the little moments. Like maybe Zep is almost like opposites of Zep, that Zep thrives in the little, like being in the right place at the right time. KD thrives in like the haymakers, you know, the other thing I was told about KD, we finally did it guys. We did it. We wanted one real thing to happen in the stands from this podcast. And we can't take full credit or anything like that. But we interviewed Pablo Escobar from Twitter, the fried, the deep fried memes. Everyone loves the memes. Get on Twitter on the memes. I was on Twitter guy. I am now because the memes are so much fun. In the stands, early in the game, KD in the corner hits the open three. And you see behind him a student raise up a deep fried KD with laser eyes. And I said, that's it. It's happening. It happened. That's all we wanted. It's there. We're taking credit for it. I'm going to clip out when we said we wanted that and then clip in that highlight and we're going to put it up. Um, I, it's great. And it's so it's an easy one, right? Because it's such a big deal right now. It's made news stories. People are talking about Auburn Twitter and all this, all the attention on it. So it, it makes sense in that way. Kudos to the athletics department, whoever made that happen. That was awesome. We're still waiting for the bees. We want to see the bees for, for blocks. <laughs> Uh, whether it's for the whole team or Kessler or however you want to do it in the student section or somewhere up high. If we get that, we still have like 10, 12 SEC games left. Maybe we can make it happen. Five blocks tonight, surprisingly low for how many it felt like around. Yeah. The, like, I was going to point five. out, they, they, they had six blocks. We had five for probably the first game all year that we've lost blocks and then steals eight to two. Kentucky had eight steals. We only had two, which explains, by the way, why KD was so much more under control because he wasn't running down crazy on fast breaks half the game yeah which we will get to cambridge here in a minute he he you know the hamburglar moments the window threes and the cambridge alley-oops yeah like that's like things we can kind of like check off the list almost every single game people get theirs but what about zep next we kind of go down the line of these yeah. box scores here two points uh three assists one of no turnovers field. no turnovers. yeah no turnovers he had he was definitely way up on all their point guards and guards. You could, you, it's very fun to watch him like really stay in the face of the guys. It's not sexy. It's not like the KD, like big hamburger steals, but he also never gives anything up. I never see Zep as the guy giving anything up. There's never a time where I see like a two going in and I see Zep trailing or a three going in and Zep's closing out. 
he's always locked in on this guy. And I think, like you said, last podcast, he's getting some national attention. I hope he gets some more after this one. You know, hopefully he'll stick around another year and he'll develop the offensive side. Yeah. Well, and, and look, give him credit. Um, he is never, he comes up in these big moments. I think that's what I like so much about him. He's solid. He's always going to be in the right spot. He's going to do the right thing. He takes care of the ball. Three assists in 17 minutes is significant. Uh, he's, he was getting the ball to good spots. But, man, he hit a tough leaning jumper. He drove by somebody. You mentioned how tentative our guards were early in the second half when we were kind of making our runs. Zep goes right by a guy, kind of like bounces off him in the air. The guy keeps going. He goes up. It's this mid-range shot. And it's like, dang, he does that. And then a crucial point in the game. Uber-efficient. Uh, Uber-efficient guy. Yep. And then on defense, you talked about his pressure defense, but perhaps the biggest play, Wendell was getting a break after he had really run the offense for eight or ten straight minutes. And you were, you and I were kind of texting. We were worried, like, oh, can we survive without Wendell? Well, Zepp comes in and takes a charge off of a big guy driving down the lane, and it was at a pivotal moment, and it created a stoppage where Wendell had had enough rest, sub back out. So, like, nobody really pays attention to that kind of stuff. But he took a charge off somebody else's guy driving, and it gets our point guard back in the game for the last five minutes of the game, and, and it sets everything up to be done properly. I think people are recognizing how good he is and how much how, – not how good he is, just how – he's a great teammate. Um, he's old. He's the oldest guy on this team, I think, in terms of just age and being around. And he shows it with his attitude and the way he plays. You hope – you know, not to look too far ahead. This is an amazing season. I don't want to look too far ahead at anything. You hope he sticks around. You hope we – like, he's a guy we look in, like, kind of like McCormick in that – other that final four run to the next year though because all, all of a sudden becomes a star player when he has time to shine it's a mere daddy he didn't shine before but when he had time he shined you know yep. i'm gonna give you you're gonna love it the most efficient uh best 10 minutes of basketball of any auburn player out there hit him with your Jalen williams terrific uh seven points didn't miss a shot i, I did want to point out cambridge zepp and Jalen. none of them missed anything free throws shots I mean, just terrific uh, from your bench. The bench made the runs a lot of times in this game. Um, Jalen, again, Jabari was out most of the second half when we made our big run. Jalen was a big part of that. Didn't force anything. Mid-range, hit his free throws when he got fouled on a three. Um, just thought, I, I just, I don't know. I, it's honestly amazing. I thought he played a lot more than 10 minutes. Yeah, he I played. was shocked. That's why I brought up the 10 minutes. I was shocked to find out it was 10 minutes because he made it enough of an impact that I, I said yeah. to myself that Jalen had a really good game. Listen, I, this is picky, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, who do you want breaking the press on the floor? Do you want Jabari or do you want Jalen? It's crazy because Jabari has shown that he can bring the ball up sometimes. He's done it a couple of times. He's had one or two where he's dribbled it all the way down the court and then went and scored. And then when things get a little frantic, he does some weird stuff. This game, he tried to like dribble and like dove and like he, like fell. I think slipped. Jalen's yeah. Jalen's much more composed. I don't feel good about as I feel like if you're like dribbling down the court, it's better to go Jabari. But honestly, at this point, Jabari, Jabari has shown that he's too much of a liability on it, and Jalen has shown that he doesn't turn the ball over, right? even if he's not efficient with it, even if he's close to the like hitting the like time where you're about to like time out because he holds on to the ball too long. Was it 10 seconds, right? I'm bad. Five, five. Oh, 10 across, no, no. 10 across. Yeah, 10 across. There's times when Jalen's the, the backup guy that he's like the pressure guy, and it's getting close to 10 seconds because he'll hold on to the ball for four or five seconds before he throws the ball over or whatever. But I don't know. Jalen, well, pick Jalen. I was just pointing out, you know, um, 
you've mentioned Jalen dribbling into trouble sometimes and it feels like he's out of control. Like I, for me, it's a no brainer. Near the, near the goal. Almost. He, he almost did again tonight, but he scored off of it. He had like a, a jumper or not jumper, like a floater yep. that he, he drove just a little too long, but then he hit the floater. It's like, okay, good. It was like, one more dribble, and I guarantee you would have turned it over. But, but he, I think he's got, got a good it. feel for that. That's what I mean. I think he's just an experienced player. He He's solid, and I don't know who the next guy is, but if you want to talk Cambridge, they're junior teammates together, same age. They both just seamlessly on the floor, never looked at rattled, never looked out of control, never looked lost, um, quiet in some ways, but just you've got to have these guys on the floor battling their tails off defensively. And Cambridge, to me, I know he's settling for a way lesser role this year. His defense tonight, terrific. For, for where he was two years ago, he has put so much work in on that end. And then I'm, he got our, one of our only fast break buckets when we really were starting to take the control of the game and he gets a, he gets a dunk. It's, he only takes threes and dunks. It must be a fun line. It was a, it was a long dunk too. It was like almost like one of those, like, don't think too hard or you'll miss it almost because yeah. he was so open and he got the ball like one step away from the three-point line and jumped from like pretty far out and luckily okay. got the dunk because he was so excited to finish that off with a dunk. We can talk about Cambridge. Yeah, he, he had a great defensive possession where he fought with a guy to keep the guy not open. This guy still got me, still fought with him, and then he finally down, I don't know if his guy dribbled down or somebody else, but he got the block on the guy, okay. which was perfect all-ball block underneath in a, a crucial moment. I mean, all of the moments were crucial, but still it felt like at any moment, Kentucky could make that run. Every time it looked like they might make that run, we made a play in the second half. So good on Cambridge. He also did not shoot a single three tonight, which that's like a thing people talk about with Cambridge. They they kind of let him shoot two or three to start a game and see if he's hot. We've argued about this. I don't think he's he's been hot hardly ever. He's been hot like in two games his entire career. Career, but uh, he didn't he didn't force it. He got his out his dunk. That's his thing. We didn't see a Wendell Green logo three, really. We saw some open threes he hit, which were perfect, and, and glad he did. We didn't see a Hambler run. We did see – it wasn't alley-oop, but I'm going to count it as the Cambridge fast break dunk. Yep, yep. And it it caused them to call timeout. I mean, Kentucky was down to one timeout with 14 minutes in the it's game. It's probably the most thrilling part of the game, right? When we, were, we, had, to, we had to storm back, yep. and then we finally got them – like we were texting, like, man, they were playing their game the whole time, half court. We can't get this thing going. We finally got it going and ended with Wendell throwing it up there, bounce passing it for that great like dunk to a timeout. And you're like, you better call a timeout. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the big momentum moment for sure. And then yeah. that put us up five, I believe, and we were able to kind of stretch it out from there. Yeah, the uh, we skipped one on my list. I know our lists are in different order, but uh, I, oh, my next one was uh, Dylan Cardwell. He was all right. You know, he had some really great moments in previous games when Kessler had to come out. And I don't know if I felt great when Cardwell came in this okay. game for that. Sorry, go ahead. Go this ahead. was the this was the first time I've ever seen uh, Cardwell played real bad in his first rotation in the first half. It was kind of when everybody was playing bad, but he um, there was trying that there was a pass that was forced to him that didn't get there. He bobbled a ball on a screen and roll that led to an easy layup on the other end. And then something else happened. He may have gotten boxed out and beat for a rebound or something. And they put Kessler back in like a minute, a minute and a half later. And Bruce is like, I can't do this. Walker's got to go back in, which is the first time I've seen that kind of desperation. Like, okay, like Cardwell's not going to cut it. He was much better in the second half. He did a great uh, vertical play where he defended without fouling against one of their guys driving when we were kind of in that flow of our game. Um, 
And he did seem very quiet for this big game. I know, but again, he's the guy on the bench pumping up the crowd when he's not even playing. Like he just does a lot for this team. He played the least amount of minutes. And it's a lot less than I usually, I feel like he averages like what, 10 to 12 minutes, maybe 10 to 15, even depending on what's going on in the game. He did eight minutes. And I felt like it was because he had to get pulled at a certain point. You wonder sometimes like we saw the guards that like it was the first game that you like really saw the guards like size exposed kind of. You might have seen that same with Cardwell. Like we yeah. love Cardwell, but we thought he might be a walk-on at one point. He was a three-star. He's exceeded all expectations. He played amazing defense in the Alabama game and other times we need him to. Yeah. Maybe the game against Oscar Shibway, that's when you get exposed. <laughs> so. Well, and, and again, I think he battled well after that first rotation, but the first rotation was rough and it it it's the closest I've ever seen him looking to be like, oh, like this, like you said, may not belong on the floor almost, but he really rallied later in the first half and then in the second half he had a couple I watched I was watching Sheepway a lot just because he's such a terrific player and Cardwell really did a good job using his body and battling getting hedging those screens like we talked about be pushing it out and then running back full speed and he even like ran into Sheepway sometimes when he would run back but it was I great saw one where he really knocked into it I'm like I'm glad yeah. they didn't call that because it yeah. would be a bullcrap foul but he definitely like really checked him when he came yeah. back in. yeah yeah um, the last guy on the list, uh, which we already talked about some, but I think we, he deserves a little more talk, is Wendell Green Jr. Yep. Uh, you know, he's getting some national attention on podcasts. I think it's kind of like the like kind of what we think of as what KD Johnson's role almost is. Like he's just playing so much better. We, I was talking on the on this Twitter thing with Jeff uh, Goldman, I think, mm-hmm. Goodman, and he he really was talking about Wendell. It seems like the kind of note that people that in college basketball nationally that think they're smart. They're like, oh, sure, Kessler and Jabari, but you got to pay attention to Wendell when Wendell's running it. It's like, okay, I mean, you read some notes, it feels like. But he had, he struggled to begin the game. It felt like it felt like it might be a little big for him. He was – both him and Zepp were struggling to bring the ball up the court. There were turnovers. Both of them got close to being back to pushing with their arm. I think Wendell got one or two like that. Zepp might call it, I don't know. But it seems to be the book's out if you can get away with it of pressuring them and making them try to push off and different things you should try. I think most teams can't do that. I think Kentucky's guards were good enough to where they could actually do that. We're only going to run into that. Like we might not run into another team that can pull that off necessarily, but he struggled at times, but he did have a moment or two where he hit a big three. They got us in there. I think, I think this is how it went. And, and I'm sorry if I get this one wrong, but he hit a big three. Then they went down there and it was the moment where, they almost like uh, got the ball and they was being smug. I was like, oh crap, they're like not being able to get the ball in. Guy gets like a concussion hitting Kessler. And in that same moment, the ball is with Wendell and he steps over and hits that three. And that was a huge part of the game where he yep. hit the, I think that's how the possession went. It was three, uh, knocked the ball out of bounds. Then the Kessler concussion, three in the same moment. And that was a huge swing in the game. Yeah, it was. It, it was every bit as big as that Jabari shot we talked about, we gushed about earlier. Um, the first one was a beautiful pump fake, got the guy in the air, boom, wide open, drills it. Second one, off the pick, uh, the confidence, it was way out there, not quite logo, but it was it was far, just drills it, and the Auburn Arena's going nuts. They have to kind of be quiet because of the injury or whatever. But um, and you, it, I wish I was there when – I hope they saw it because it, it's got to be the same time. Bam, that guy gets knocked out by running against him, which you don't see in basketball every day anymore. I feel like you used to hear about hard – Screens yeah. like that, I think they get called a lot more now for moving or whatever. Yeah. It was, was right. Like, it was, it was, it was a right. spot a little bit, but yeah, sorry, it was, it was right in front of our bench too. So I mean, yeah. they, I saw when they were going to timeout, they were, they were 
not happy, but just like great play by Kessler to free up your guard, which is the point. And then for Wendell to step in and hit that three so confidently. I just thought he figured some things out late in the first half. He kind of adapted, which is what you want to see from your players, right? Like he was struggling with the size and the, the pressure that Wheeler especially was putting on. And he really did a brilliant job of, of finding the game. And, and he had nine points until he went to the free throw line, maybe seven. He had like, he scored so little in this game for the impact I feel like he had. He's gotten so much better at getting people involved. We see the Kessler alley-oops and stuff, but he's doing so much more than that. He, he is kind of orchestrating this offense in, a, in his own way. He's not Jared Harper, but the way Jared commanded the offense when he was on the floor, it, it's kind of you're seeing some steps in that direction. When Wendell comes off the bench, it, there's this other gear that we have that you really, I mean, again, second half, he was the engine, in my opinion, to getting us where we wanted to go. There was a possession I texted Matt on that Wendell came out and then we immediately turned the ball over, I think, or just had a, a terrible, you know, it was a shot clock violation. Yeah. Which there was a lot of shot clock violations in this game, a lot for Kentucky, one or two for us. It was, a, it was Wendell comes after a long stretch, immediately we get into shot clock violation and said, oh man, we got to weather this next couple of minutes where he's not in, which is not something we've been saying all year. There's not been a lot of that. And if you go back to further teams, there were definitely games, especially like Harper in the SEC championship year where we were just like, oh man, you got to weather like the final four year. Even I think it was, you got to weather when he's not in, you just got to survive the couple minutes. He's not in. There was times like that in different players on different teams, but that's the first time that's happened with Wendell to where we've started relying on Wendell that much. And, and part of that's because we were just having a bad game and a lot of other games, we haven't had to think about that, but it's Funny. a big deal that we, we missed him that much. That means he's doing something that great. And don't underestimate. He's our closer. I mean, he's, he's coming in, he's finishing these games. He has a, been a terrific free throw shooter. Don't take that for granted. He's hits the big free throws. He gets fouled. He had a terrible, awful mistake uh, going way out of control when we were up six I think with three minutes to go and and flies down the court loses the ball off his foot gets a charge but but the thing I love and this is why kids love Bruce Pearl okay Bruce didn't even say anything he's like no that's okay like it's terrible we'll talk about it in film study tomorrow I'm sure but like play and 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 Wendell was flawless the rest of the finishing the game it was a weird play too where it went off his like he dribbled it off his foot or something or actually kind of like went underneath his foot and it kind of kicked out and then they called a charge and then they went and they checked the replay and i wonder what they were checking i was hoping they would call kickball i don't know exactly how like if it's only if the defender kicks it or yeah. whatever but it was a weird play for him it, to pick up his fourth foul actually it, yeah and it was his fourth so not only that he played the rest of that game with four fouls beautifully and i just think it says a lot Bruce is as fiery and as competitive as anybody comes, but he knows when to ride them hard. And he knows when he knows Wendell's their best shot to close that game out. And he just, it's okay. Now that's a terrible possession though. I don't care that he dribbled it off his foot. Why are you flying into the paint up six or seven or eight with two and a half minutes left or three minutes to go? My my theory is that he was going to slow down that he, he said, all right, they're trying to press. I'm breaking the press. Sure. It got to about the three point line. He's going to do that thing where you kind of start heading and then you curl off. Like, you know, I okay. think what happened was he was about to start curling off when it hit his foot and it looks like he was just going straight. But by the time he was going straight, it was because it was going on his foot. He was just trying to get the ball back. Maybe. You know, like he was going to stop and do the little curve off thing or whatever. Okay. 
I don't know. Well, I think I, I trust that he wasn't actually flying down. I think even KD had a similar one. I thought that, oh, no, he's going to try to drive this all the way in. He curled up. And that's kind of yeah. what you do if you beat your guy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, and another funny moment that I brought up was it was it was a, you know, we had to bring it back, but we were in control of this game for probably the last like six, five, six minutes. Matt likes to talk about how if you meet that four minute TV timeout ahead by a certain amount, you're really in control. Uh, man, it feels like every time you're you're up by like five or six or seven or you're down, that three-pointer that the other team shoots always goes in. The percentages, like they hit a three to make this a little closer near the end. It's every time, right? It is. It's it's teams desperately trying to make a shot and stay in the game. And uh, somebody hit one in the corner for Kentucky. Um, it's frustrating. It's it's those last minute or two can just take so long because the other team just keeps scoring and keeps fighting. And the, the beauty of being in that position is as long as you don't, you know, screw up you on your free throws, don't do any self-harm, hit your free throws, take care of the ball. You're probably going to win 95% of the time, you know, in that situation. So Wendell had his one mistake after that last time out. And, uh, but after that, Auburn was great. Hit all, almost all but one of their free throws. I think Kentucky hung around cause they, Sheboy hit a couple shots. They hit that three, but um, it never got, it, it was uncomfortable cause it's Kentucky. And, and I think we all wanted this one so bad, but it yeah. never, the game flow, never got that uncomfortable and that's saying a lot again just to zoom out we're hitting the mouth or down 10 early in the game and being down four at halftime was just it, it reminded me of the old miss game i texted you like wow we are so fortunate to be down four we battled to be down four and then it we scored out of the second half and it's a one possession game and it's just at that point auburn arena the energy the swagger that came back it kind of took over but if you don't put yourself in that position um you don't maybe have the same result i just think it's impressive to be down 10 to that kentucky team in this spot and be in control with a i think we were our biggest lead was 12 at six minutes left we're up 12 with six to go so like we really played well once we righted the ship in the first half into the last six minutes or so yeah we'll see if that becomes like a reputation for this team we had previous teams where we would go down and always come back when I was sitting there with my girlfriend who watches it with me sometimes, God bless her for dealing with all of this. But we were down like 10 early in the game. I was like, this team's not built like past teams. Other teams in the past that went down 10, I didn't even care because I knew that like it was going to come in runs or whatever. This one, we went down 10 early. I was like, ah, I don't know if we're built as like a comeback team, but we've shown it once or twice now. So it's every one of these has become like a thing where it's like another check mark on our, like, we can do it like this. We can do it we ways can, exactly win. ways to win. We can do it when our guards look this bad. We can do it when we're down 15 away at Ole Miss. We can do it like we did at St. Louis, you know. Another, yeah. you another interesting one is uh, we, we didn't do pregame notes, but I guarantee my number one pregame note would have been about foul trouble. And okay. so I always feel like we get screwed against Kentucky. Our centers and our forwards are always in foul trouble. We're always dealing with that. It was Sheboy coming in. I said – oh, man, we're going to be in a terrible shape. It's going to be awful. It's going to be so frustrating once again to be, like, screwed out of a game by by the, the refs. Maybe I'm being a homer. I thought the refs, besides a couple of, like, out-of-bounds calls early in the game people were pissed about, like, let them play down low, which is huge. There wasn't a bunch of, like, foul calls on, like, Shiway or Kessler, like, in positioning or anything like that. I think there was maybe one, maybe not on either of them, but somebody got a positioning foul. Ultimately – they had 20 fouls to our 12, and it did matter to a point. Tobin or Topin on their team ended up fouling out of the game. That was the guy that was guarding Jabari. 
Jabari's starting to become. He does an Alabama game. I think he's done a couple other games where people like have to do everything they can to stop him, and he's getting people fouled out. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so the other big thing of that too was that I told Matt to do the research on how many more fouls happen against Kentucky, and I'll let you talk about it. Well, it's just uh, look. Basketball is a game of context, so you have to take all this stuff with a grain of salt. But basically, we've averaged one more foul on Auburn per game in each season. So I took the average on how many fouls per game did that Auburn team commit in that season and then compared to the Kentucky game. And on average, over, since Bruce arrived at Auburn, we get called for an extra foul per game compared to our season averages. Um, and actually, it's crazy looking at back at all the games, if you just total up the fouls from those games, Kentucky had one more foul than us, I believe, over the last 12, 12, right? 12 matchups, yeah. Yeah, so and some of that doesn't bring in context that five of those fouls are on Wiley and, you know, yeah. zero on a point guard or something like that. So that we couldn't figure out a way to, like, break out the statistics to actually, like, look at, like, the centers and forward positions or anything. But I was surprised to see that my own home bias or whatever was not brought out in the stats. But, you know, like you say, the stats can be uh, lies or damn lies and statistics or whatever. I'm sure we could find a way to make these statistics fit my home review. Yeah. Well, the thing we the thing we know is Kentucky's big and physical and talented and they drive the ball like cows that drive uh, dribble drive offense that we tried with Barbie. That was so terrible because we didn't have talent. Um, They're going to go downhill at you and they want the refs to make the call. So I think the fact that the refs let these teams play for the most part in this game played to our advantage, even when things weren't going great. Um, I and, and personally, the worst thing was when we were struggling and they missed just blatantly two or three out of bounds, call somebody was out or they didn't, and you can't review that at that point in the game. It's so frustrating. I don't want this, I don't want to review everything like other sports have gone to, it's annoying, but we were- right the first time, we don't have to. <laughs> there, was a, there was a point in the first half where it really felt like everything was not going our way. We were turning up, we were, we were self-inflicting wounds. The refs were missing calls and giving Kentucky extra possessions when you know we were trying to dig in. We really needed stops because our- we could, Yeah, we couldn't seem to make a stop on defense. And then that, yeah. and on top of that, there was like two or three that the crowd was going nuts on where it should have been our ball at least. And they got the ball back yeah. and scored. It's like, yeah. well, that will contribute to you not being able to make a stop if they get two or three extra possessions. And that goes back to how well we shot. It was just we missed a lot of possessions early, and then, you know, it didn't look like a crazy great offensive game because we kept turning the ball over. I also just think both teams did a terrific job of playing great defense. Like, I really think this was a high-level defensive game from both sides, and both teams played really hard defensively without fouling for the most part. Like, they, Auburn was doing a little bit of, you know, the Zep stuff, like, but – Overall, I thought we were doing a great job of getting ourselves in position and Kentucky did as well. It was a, that was a high level, maybe not the prettiest, like most explosive offensive game, but that was a game that mattered to both teams and it was played at a very high level. I feel like I, I want to applaud Kentucky a little bit that I felt like they came in and gave a really great effort and that they're a really good team. I talked about it earlier yep. on the podcast. I don't want to play them again. I think they're really good. And I hope that's the narrative from this game nationally is that two really good teams played each other and Auburn came out on top. Not that Kentucky had an injury or Kentucky didn't do this or that referee did that, or I think two really good teams went at each other and Auburn won the game. And I hope that that's the way Kentucky fans take it too, that they just went in to Auburn arena. It's hard to win in Auburn arena. Like if they come out and say, Oh, we could have had it in Kentucky. I'm not really going to argue with them that much. They might add it in rough, you know? Uh, I think you're looking it up now, but it'd be good to look at uh, SEC scandings. It's going to look 
nice. It's going to be a good feeling as soon as you open up whatever these standings are. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it. This is uh, the way we wanted it to be. If you're looking yeah. on YouTube, we've got Auburn. There's games obviously playing out this afternoon, this evening, so this is not a final look, but Auburn gets that massive two-game lead over Kentucky. Auburn's 7-0, and Kentucky's 5-2. and uh, The other two teams lingering, uh, Texas A&M's 4-1. They play at Arkansas tonight. That's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, kind of see if they're for real. They already beat Arkansas once at home. I'm so. cheering for Arkansas on that one. Me I want to see everyone be two games back on us. That would be mwah. Yeah. Mississippi State is hanging around at three and two. They they play Ole Miss today. We'll see how that goes. Oh, wait, actually, uh, that one went final and Mississippi State won. So I think that maybe just hasn't updated yet, and they're four and well, two. They're still um, two games back. That's a, we, we are now getting to a point where we talk about the SEC preview of like who we're going to cheer for. We have our tiers of who we don't want to win. Now we can start going going down and looking at records and know that, like, sure, we didn't win Arkansas. We rather have Texas A&M win over Arkansas. But in the moment now, they already have three losses. So let's yeah. get a win on that. Let's even everybody. Let's have a lot, a whole lot of parity except for us. Right, right. So, yeah, huge. If, if, if A&M loses, having a two-game lead on everyone would be awesome. Um, we still have that home game ling- lurking with AM, the only time we play them here in like three weeks. Um, and just this, but this group of teams, I do want to point out th- this group of teams with three losses. Um, I still think somebody or two teams are going to emerge as a threat, at least stay close enough to be a potential threat. You've got LSU, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, all three and three. Like that's a talented Absolutely. group of teams. Some of these teams have missed players too and had COVID issues and different things, but it's a little bit weird year. It's not as bad as 2020 or the year or anything getting canceled, but Tennessee missed two of their best players against Alabama. They should have won that game if they weren't missing their two best players, but also Tennessee is falling apart a little bit. It feels like their own fans are like, all right, maybe we're not as good as we thought they were, you know, not, not Memphis levels, which I wanted to get that jab in that Memphis is completely falling apart. Uh, uh, Alabama has had a lot of issues too. Like, but LSU's missing Xavier uh, Pinson. Yeah. He gave us fits, and they lost to somebody recently without him. And I, or, you know what? Alabama beat they LSU. Lost, they lost to Alabama. There's another one that Alabama should have lost if LSU had all their best players. And so it's evened out with that. And so you'll see maybe LSU is that team that sticks around and just, you know, they were missing Xavier Pinson at times. Maybe even Tennessee gets it together with their best players. We'll see. Well, and the beauty of this parody is like LSU and Tennessee are playing right now. They just started and they're both three and three. One of those teams is going to lose, have four losses, which for our purposes is awesome. We don't like Tennessee and LSU. We don't like either because they're a bunch of uh, cheaters. Who are you cheering for in that one? Um, I don't care. I'm glad one of them is going to lose. Probably, <laughs> probably, I don't know. I would say Tennessee, they're at home and uh, LSU scares me more, but I don't know. If, I, I think I might want LSU just to keep Tennessee on there. Uh, I want them like, yeah, you, you kind of go back and forth. If like you want, I'm more scared of LSU, but I'd also like Tennessee to completely fall apart before we play them. I don't want them like threatening us by the time we play them in Knoxville. Um, by the way, I just saw this on secsports.com. Um, Auburn shot their highest pursuit shooting percentage today in, of the season, which. Um, and for it to look that rough and still do that. That's crazy. 50. How much was it? Uh, 56.8%. Wow. And against opponent that good. I want to point this out while it's still true as we record. It it may not be true when you listen to this, but, um, you know, Alabama, good basketball team. They've struggled. They just can't handle the Missouri Tigers. They're down 12 to three at home right now to Missouri. And that's the team they they lost to. um, 
a couple weeks ago, and that kind of started their downward trend. So you hate it. I think Nate Oates burned a, an early uh, timeout there. That the clock has been stopped at sixteen fifty-seven there for a while. So go Mizzou. Let's go. That's our next opponent, by the way. We play at Missouri on. I was about to say, let's pull up Auburn's schedule and, and look down it because it's just going to look a lot. Uh, there's some trap games, different things are there, but man, we are past what we thought was our three hardest games, and we won them all. And we have yet. I'm going to say it a thousand times. Have yet to do a lost podcast. Haven't lost in regulation. And we don't know what we're going to even do. We haven't planned this out. <laughs> I have no idea. I always keep saying to Matt, like, we'll figure it out on like game day. <laughs> like if we lose, we'll figure out how to like adjust to that. I don't even know. We we hope uh we hope you'll listen if and when we lose. Uh even after I'll be a super, loss. super curious to see our numbers compared to a win like Kentucky <laughs> versus if we lose like on the road to Missouri or on the road to Arkansas or something. All right. So we go at Missouri at a 8:30 Eastern on Tuesday night. That's our next one. Then we do the SEC Big 12 challenge next Saturday against Oklahoma. Oklahoma. All, I, I want to um, say trap games. They're all trap games now. We're favored in everything. And and, and, it's and, and be- again, if the thing you have to think about in college basketball, if we're number one, which if we're not, it's just going to be laughable at this point. But if we're not number one, whatever, if we are, if you're Missouri, let's say Missouri beats Alabama tonight. And they're trying to – they're on the bubble. They're talking about tournament. Like, you know what? It's great to make the tournament. Beat the number one team. If you're Oklahoma, who's going to end up probably somewhere near the bubble, they, they played Kansas close this week. It's – we become not just a target on our back. We become this massive prize for that team who's trying to make the tournament or improve their seating or whatever. So it, it really does carry weight in college basketball because not only, not only are people coming for you – they're coming for their livelihood in the tournament to try to make it. Trying to make their statement. We'll have a target on our back. It, it'll be really odd as a fan base. We're going to lose one of these games. We're going to lose one <laughs> or two. Hopefully not more than that because we've played so well that if we lose more than two, I'll be upset. Well, and, we, and then we'll really start to get a conversation of who's doing what or whatever. In the Let's let's look ahead a little more. Just I just want to point out yeah. right now, Tennessee is the only ranked team on the schedule. They may not be ranked starting uh in this next poll but if you if you just look at that and say oh there's no ranked teams whatever look at this four game stretch this, this is the next thing we need to be looking at obviously missouri oklahoma you want to win and keep this streak going but alabama at home chance to sweep them at georgia that's fine probably not i think we're gonna have more fans there for sure than georgia will at arkansas is a brutal historical place to play and then AM at home so like that for who knows where AM will be three weeks from now when that game happens but that four game sec stretch i think will tell a lot of how can auburn run away with this thing and really like stay you know put their seal on potentially winning the sec or will it be a lot closer than we want it to be at that point it feels like uh, arkansas fans have already given up on their season like like even more than tennessee fans have but at any uh, moment they could turn it around and make you. it a lot more dangerous especially at arkansas I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, Arkansas is the team to watch. I, get, I definitely think we could lose at Arkansas. Sure, They have the, enough talent to beat us. They're just not like the ranked team that might be a sweet 16 team like people were thinking at the beginning of the year. So, so they had a super weird start where they lost at Mississippi State, lost to Vandy on a really heartbreaking home loss, and then lost at A&M. But then they beat, they beat Missouri by 44. They beat LSU fairly comfortably on the road. No, Alexander Pinson, right? Yeah, they were down a couple guys, but and then they beat South Carolina by 16. If they beat AM tonight, 
and they're on a four-game winning streak. They go at Ole Miss, at Georgia, Mississippi State before they play us. They could they could easily, in my opinion, be seven and three when we play them. In the they could be turning it up, and and we could be their game. They circle as like, yeah. this is the moment we show that we're back and that we're legit. You know, it's, the, it's that easy. The, or the they situation. could drop two, or, or they could drop two or three, and we they look like an afterthought. Yeah. The difference is at the end of their schedule, they play Tennessee twice and Kentucky and LSU and at Florida. So like they have a brutal ending. I mean, to this. I, we could be worried about them for the SEC title, but I'm just more worried about them being hyped up by the time they play us and that they have one of those games like Ole Miss did against us where they can't miss because they're hyped to play us, you know. There's our we, schedule out again. We both had so much respect for Ole Miss and how well they played against us. They're one in five now in the league. <laughs> That's just what happens in college basketball though, right? It, it, nights just happen like that where a team can go off and it's their night. You know, we did it to teams when we were really bad. We just had our night that night where you knew that player from our own, like TJ Dunnans goes off for 25 <laughs> plus and you know, TJ Dunn's isn't that good, but it was his night. You know, they got hyped up. They balled out that night. You know, they couldn't miss. I'm scared of that Oklahoma game. They played some good, some good stuff. They they're not ranked. And part of that's because they've had such a tough schedule and they're in a really tough part of their schedule right now, but they're going to jump up and beat somebody. If you want to click into their schedule, I think they might've already upset somebody, but they're on like a, a kind of course where people are saying like this team's better than their record is just because of how hard it is right now. They played Kansas really well the other night. I think I mean, yeah. already mentioned that, but. And then four straight losses. Yeah, they, they lost, but I mean, again, at it's number 21, Texas, they beat number 11, Iowa State. They lost to Baylor when they were number See, one. Yeah, that's how it, how it goes. They lost like a 10-point game to number one, Baylor. Go beat a top 10, top 11, Iowa State. Lose at 21, Texas, at TCU. Then you got to play number seven, Kansas. Lose to them by what? Three, three. points. Then lose against Baylor. And they just have a super tough schedule. I think they're better than their schedule looks. I am a little – you know, they could they could get hot and beat us at home. But it is in Auburn Arena. It's on ESPN, which is good. You know, this was on CBS, which was huge. It's nice to have the next Saturday also be on a big one. Frustrates me that we're, like, contracted into SEC Network when we have such a great team. So another opportunity to, like, really show out. I just thought it was funny. We're looking at this webpage together. If you're watching on YouTube. And tickets as low as $412 available for the Auburn-Oklahoma game. So. I think I think the cheapest one I saw before this game, I didn't check stuff up. I just saw like on Twitter something like three hundred plus for this Kentucky standing room only. I think it's probably cheaper than that. I think whatever they're using on ESPN is probably not the cheapest option. But yeah, I, it, it's um, it's it's pretty bad. I'm, I know I'm already scouting out opportunity. I'm looking forward to that Tennessee game in a few weeks. Still thinking about mm-hmm. Athens. I know Auburn. I say, but they're gonna be so expensive, right? Auburn has taken over. I heard the guy I was watching the game with today told me he had heard that um, Georgia actually they didn't sell out all their tickets for that game. They just took them off the website because Auburn people were buying all of them. I don't know if that's you true. Do then how do you like you got to like call in and prove that you're a Georgia fan or something? I, I don't know. I just know it. It, it kind of makes sense though because the secondary market pricing on that game went from like twenty to a hundred bucks like in a, a few days. It was crazy. They have a. Uh... I think it's funny that the little brother at Alabama is, uh, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, they have like one of their super fans or whatever, super fans yeah. are so hilarious to me. Like, it's like whoever like wants to make a, like I, I go crazy, you know me, we talked about the other Matthew. I do fun things, I do interesting things or whatever. I just don't call myself a super fan because I wear a sequins jacket or wear a funny face paint or something, all of a sudden have some sort of celebrity status. Anyways, one of their super fans was tweeting like, 
let's camp out before the Baylor game. If you want to camp out before the, like, not only like, like ours is a natural, like there's so much demand. You have to camp and get tates. He's like, let's do it. Like Auburn did. Let's, let's like, let's cosplay like Auburn fans and camp out. Wouldn't that be fun? It's like camping except for in front of the basketball stadium. Everybody's really like, all right, little brother, calm down. Yeah. No one wants to camp with you. Just yeah. Like, yeah. give it up. Don't try to do this right now. It, it's awesome, man. It's, it's cool. Um, you know, I know some people didn't like Pearlville because it's like Shashevskyville and Duke and whatever. Like, who cares? You know what? We our arenas like Dukes. We want if we would love to be like Duke in every way, historically as a basketball program. We would love so like, at the transition of Mike K leaving Duke to for Bruce Pearl, which I really just stings me deep that ESPN and different places don't understand how good for basketball, for college basketball, Bruce Pearl is. If he didn't have that one stupid barbecue or they had their own little stupid blackballing nonsense they do he would be amazing for his work he was amazing when i was a neutral to watch him take his shirt off like i was watching women's basketball because of him like he should be the face of college basketball and they just won't do it so if this can if we can transition from mike k and roy williams and these other legendary coaches and this new transfer market and all this crazy stuff if we look up and this was like a transition to the new guys like a scott drew at baylor and a bruce pearl at auburn that would be amazing because don't act like Duke was always there. Duke didn't become Duke until the nineties. So there's still a chance for people like us to do that kind of thing. Yep. No, I mean, go ahead. I was looking at this tickets over here. You were talking about the Georgia tickets skyrocketing $150 to go to the Georgia game. That's crazy. You're right. I was thinking like, Oh, come on. You got to go to the game, you know, 150 bucks to go to Athens. I can take that money and go ahead and lock in uh, first and second round tickets for the NCAA tournament if I wanted to if, if Auburn's lucky enough to play in Greenville South Carolina like this is the stuff if you're a big Auburn fan like start looking ahead uh, the guy I was watching the game with bought his tickets for the SEC tournament he's going to Tampa he's, he's going to be there for the Friday Saturday Sunday you know um you know like 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 Jackson said find you know if you can find a way to see this team you know I've been lucky to already see them once and uh, you know I know Jackson lives in New York and he's looking at you know, Sweet 16 possible destinations. And all if that it's in Chicago thing. or Philly, I'll be there. I don't know, maybe even cross country. I don't know. It's it's honestly all down to COVID right now. Like I would have yeah. gone and figured out a way to home game right now if it wasn't for COVID. Yeah. But, uh, can I can I give a shout down right now to some Twitter folks? I'm just now getting on Twitter. There was a bunch of people on Twitter during the game, right before the game, tweeting about how much trash there was in Pearlville. Do you all, do you guys know what these students were with <laughs> during the night? They came out of nowhere to camp out in these insane lines out of nowhere. Then everybody brings them tons of pizza. And One, they didn't order all that stuff. Glad they have it all. They ate it all. I'm like, that's their possession now. There's not trash cans. There's not dumpsters. No one was ready for this. Then at 10 o'clock when they've all organized themselves pretty well, I'm sure they're throwing the trash away. I'm sure they're organized. There's this mass chaos that you make them do and, and sleep and seem like on the concrete instead of in all these plain up things you do. And there's trash everywhere. And if they left the line for 12 hours at freezing temperatures to clean up trash, they'd lose their place in line. And then you have the like audacity to treat about the trash when they've been in line, not moving for like 24 hours. And you're tweeting while they're in the stadium, they haven't had a chance to come get their own possessions. There's probably laptops and speakers and like actual things worth money in those tents and everything. And they left that all behind to be in line to make this game. And you're tweeting, come clean up the trash. Why haven't you cleaned the trash? Everyone know about the trash. They'll clean it up. They'll get the trash after the game. Sorry, that's a little bit of a rant, but it was just irritating me. These like 
negative Nancy's about this thing. Just be quiet. Just there's always out. there's always that person though. You know how it why, is. Like, why say person. why say anything when you can just shut up? <laughs> well, but there's always that like um, there's always that person who somebody does something really cool or something's happened. And someone's like. It's like it's like the guy that when somebody wins a hundred thousand dollars on a game show, somebody's like, "Well, you know, taxes. You got to take the taxes." It's like, "Yeah, I'll take the sixty grand." Like, I I have, I have completely cut those people out of my life. Do you have to <laughs> deal with those people when you're like in high school and in college, maybe some class with those people, or at your church, or maybe at a job. You know, I got a job in a place I like or whatever, and I have cut the people out of my life that do that crap. <laughs> well. Let's get back on. If you've made it this far, hopefully you enjoyed that rant. Like, do you feel like this did Auburn take advantage of this massive stage and opportunity? Well, when you kind of zoom out, you look at everything. This was obviously a huge moment. It'll be kind of like fully done if we get number one on Monday, which we'll see what happens. I mean, how do you feel in terms of how Auburn presented itself, how the team played, having CBS, all that stuff? Do you feel good about this experience as we kind of hopefully can put all this craziness behind us and focus on winning championships. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about this for this and while we didn't get that number one ranking and I was talking about that with the Jeff Goodman guy before whatever, that people get really upset in the Auburn fan base because it feels like we have to work twice as hard to get the same respect. And so it's a, a you know, for us to win the way we did, we won, we had a good game, but it was like kind of was ugly at times. You know, we didn't win by 20. We didn't like get running and playing like our game necessarily. We didn't have like, maybe like a, a big time highlight that's like going to be on the sports center top 10 or whatever. So I do worry that these people that like mythically have decided Gonzaga's number one, and there's nothing anybody's ever going to say to them that's going to change their mind that we didn't convince those people necessarily. They'll say Ty Ty Washington got hurt or whatever. So like 90%, I say we did capture everything we needed to do. I wish Pearlville had gotten a little more national attention. There were some different writers and things, but like I was tagged, I was tagging John Rothstein, I was tagged, Tang Gary Parish and like I thought for sure I would see a couple of those national personalities like throwing out there like wow look how cool this is like can you believe this like I felt Gary Parish or like he was at the game I believe I assumed he would like go by Proville and make a video or something put it on his well they did for the telecast they had a whole special on it during the uh, I did I did see some of that but I meant like on his Twitter I would see I'm sure he'll talk about it on his podcast where I'm just hoping that that gets spotlight enough how cool that is I think we've shown like the people love the arena I think the People on CBS were great. They even brought up uh, the like whole stupid Kentucky thing that people, the Kentucky fans, so smug, where they're like, oh, people only do this for Kentucky or whatever. By that same logic, we didn't do that last year for Kentucky. We didn't do it the year before for Kentucky. We went to the Final Four and we won an SEC championship. We didn't camp out for those either. We did it because our team has gotten this good, and that's why we did it. Not that we need to tell the Auburn fan base that. They're just being smug. They're not special. They're just next. But they, they even brought that up at the very beginning of the broadcast. The announcer said, you know, Kentucky is used to these big games, people going nuts for them. But this is maybe the first time that it's not about Kentucky. It's about Auburn. I was like, thank God you like at least like set that near to start. Even though I kind of don't, don't even want to have to bring it up. But that you have to in a yeah. thing big. I, I think it's really cool. I, I really think Auburn hit it out of the park. Um, it looked rough there in the first half. But just having that on display, uh, Bruce said it that he always does. He frames – you. He's a great coach for you because you're all about narratives and, and how he is. Imagine how bad it would be, even the amount of respect we have to earn now. Imagine how bad it would be with just a really good basketball coach who didn't understand how to market things. Bruce is brilliant at it. And he said, the coolest thing about this game is not that it's Kentucky. It, it, well, it's two things. It's one, it, it's a championship implications game. And then he just said, 
the fact that the nation, the sports world, will kind of be looking at Auburn, Alabama on a Saturday in January for men's basketball. Like that, that is what excited him. And the fact that so much attention, and they mentioned at the beginning of the telecast, if you haven't watched, you know, this team yet, you, you know, you're going to get your first look at Jabari Smith and here's what he's done. Like you forget when you're in this bubble that there's a lot of people like I, you and I, like we really try to keep up with what's going on in college basketball. I'm not sitting at home watching Villanova basketball most nights, you know, so you forget a lot of people, maybe this was their first time watching Auburn play. And I do think it was a good representation. It wasn't our flying tigers, monsters, craziness, but it, again, I think you've been on this ahead of me all year. The most impressive thing about this team is no matter what the equation has been so far, no matter what circumstances get thrown at them, they find a way with the guys they have. They have the weapons. They have the tools. They just have to figure out how to put them together, and they just keep finding different ways to win, and it's awesome to watch. I mean, you saw it like that when we beat Alabama. That was our – we have, like, the three biggest games we played this year, right? It's like the at home against LSU, at Alabama, and at home against Kentucky – we won that game without Kessler. We won the game figuring that out. Opposite this time, Kessler went off for, what, 18 points and was a huge portion of – 19 points and a huge portion of this game and beat Sheebway and all this stuff. They just keep, keep playing. It's the Rubik's Cube guy in the student section. We're changing the Rubik's Cube around. We keep finding ways to solve it, you know? Yeah. I'm just so excited. I could talk for hours and hours about all this. Let's at least look at, uh, like, the AP top 10, see what's going on with that, if they have scores or anything on there, because I think that's part of the narrative, too that I will absolutely be beside myself, livid, upset, raging if we're not number one this next time. And there's a lot of people that talk about all it needs is one or two people to move us from two to one or not even from two to one. Some of these insane people that move us from nine to four. It was by four votes or whatever. But I'll be absolutely raging because it, that's kind of going to change the narrative, honestly. Sadly, it shouldn't. We shouldn't have to care about these AP polls necessarily. But the big part of this was we just beat uh, Kentucky in that – was like securing, we are the best team in America. But so many people don't get to watch these games, even though this was on CBS before the NFL playoff game. Whatever. People don't get to watch every game. All they get to see is these rankings next to their name, and they might tune into their team and see their scoreboard, and they see number one. And number one means a lot more than number two. It's not a 50-50 thing. It means a lot more to be the best team in America, especially when they can put down the headline and all this. People pick up their USA Today and see number one Auburn. It changes the narrative, so... I'm uh, I'm gonna pull it up on my phone because apparently ESPN's dumb. Uh, top twenty-five. I'm good at this. I do this all the time. Uh, let's see. George uh, Villanova survived a scare. They're down to eleven though. Top ten. Baylor beat Oklahoma by fourteen today. Kansas Baylor's lost a couple now. What? Baylor's lost a couple now. They lost those back to backs, and that was. That was the hilarious thing that they, it just changes the narrative, whatever. Baylor was the can't miss. You'll never be better than Baylor. The eye test there. Like I've watched all of them. I've watched Baylor. Baylor's just so much better. Then lose two in a row. I don't hear crap about Baylor. Now it's all about Gonzaga passed the, you know, it's just, they'll change whatever they need to, to say Auburn's not the, the team, you know? Um, uh, maybe, can you, maybe see if Gonzaga's playing. I, I don't see them in this top 25 for today. Kansas won a close one against Kansas State. They played Thursday against uh, you, the San Francisco Dons, which uh, I don't shout see them playing out to, today shout out to my, my boy Jimmy, who is there uh, from Prattville, Alabama, and he's their physical trainer, and he's an Alabama fan. And I said, go Dons. We're all huge Don fans tonight. He said, I don't know who to cheer for now because all the Auburn fans keep texting me about it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, 
a big game coming up this coming week. It'll be after the next poll, but uh, UCLA and Arizona play at UCLA. And Arizona is kind of a team that snuck around and won a bunch of games in a row too. They're number three. They start. They, they have a little bit like we're going to be their biggest enemy soon if they keep doing what they're doing because they're not getting much respect for their 14 right. and one season right now. And I think they maybe had some COVID pauses maybe, and they haven't beat anybody in particular, I don't think, but they'll they start play, getting sorry, upset soon. They play at Cal tomorrow and at UCLA on Tuesday. So anyway, not much action going on in the top 10, but again, I think the thing is, if one guy had voted us fifth instead of ninth, uh, we would have been number one this week. So the points dictate, we already had the most first place votes. We've done more than Gonzaga this week, obviously. Uh, there's really- is, How cool is Kim Palm and net rankings update? Because this dude supposedly was doing Kim Palm nonsense. He wasn't even doing that. He was moving some other teams around that weren't by Kim Palm and all that. But we have been further back on Kim Palm and net than I would like for having so many quad one wins. You know, we go by these quad stuff. We should be tied for most quad one wins in America now. Kim, but, yeah, Kim Palm's live. That. It's live, and, and we're up to fourth. And Kentucky's fifth. Yeah. Like how? Um, I don't know if I understand. Because he, he doesn't just use the wins, losses. He uses, like, different, like, efficiency <laughs> ratings. And, and get stuff. this. Get this. This is crazy, but, I mean, it's just where we are in society, I guess. But the net – I didn't know this, but the net rankings, which is kind of a newish thing. It kind of replaced RPI, if you remember that, back yeah. in the day. The net rankings that now do not count winning percentage as part of the formula. <laughs> it's all – it's all advanced metrics and stuff. It's like, what? <laughs> how does that not count? <laughs> I read that the other day and I couldn't believe it. I kind of had no clue. Um, this is through yesterday's game. That's how Houston gets number three, even though they've lost two games. Um, Auburn's fifth in the net, but that was as of yesterday. So we'll see what happens with uh, after it updates. Yeah, I mean, it's been fun. Like, uh, when's the Missouri game? Wednesday? Tuesday. Tuesday night. Tuesday. Good. I don't have to wait much longer for a game. It'll suck to wait from Tuesday to Saturday, but I'm just so excited for our basketball. Join us on Twitter, Instagram. I, you know, we did a whole correspondent thing with uh, Matt Plexico. He was on earlier in the podcast. I don't know if we're going to cut this stuff or not. If we're going to cut him out and put him onto his own podcast, I think this one's pretty long already. We're hopefully going to cut all his videos through the night of like kind of like almost like journalist level keeping up with what's going on in Pearlville and in the line and in the stadium or the arena and everything. And we're going to put his little interview at the end. So tune in for that. I think that'll be a fun little experiment. Hopefully we'll have some more interviews coming up. We've talked to a couple people on messages. We just have one earlier last week, uh, the Marlene, the Boer interview and the Pablo Escobarner interview from last week are still very relevant. Uh, so we love it. We're having a good time. We're hoping that everyone's riding this wave. Uh, just thanks for a while, you know, watching. Jackson puts this on YouTube, too. I know some people have found us there. Um, you know, I think everybody just wants as much content as this on this team as we can get. Obviously, we feel very fortunate to be watching such a special season of, you know, the, the school that we went to and we care about. Um, I, I think everybody are, are – I haven't looked at our reviews, but everyone's been very nice um, talking about, you know, just enjoying the show. So we hope that'll – be the case and you'll hang with us for the rest of this ride the fun part about basketball you know we're we're a little over halfway through the regular season but um we're only seven out of 18 games done in sec play still have the oklahoma game too still have the sec tournament there's just so many games and it's it's such a fun rhythm uh of a sport it's probably my favorite one of all the sports that i care about so um, i think we have at least two more three more maybe reviews maybe just one 
Someone said this is a fire podcast. This podcast is great. It's from Yeet one two three four two three two. Thank you very much, Yeet one two three four two three two. That's awesome. We love reading them. Um, and and I think the cool thing this week has been us getting more on the Twitter space. I know Pablo kind of helped us break out of that a little bit. Um, cool to interact with everyone there. I know a lot of these students. That's where they get all their Auburn content from the Auburn Twitter family and beat writers and stuff like that, which we like, I like a lot of the beat writers too, the, but the reality is at Auburn, like Bruce said, after the game, Auburn's a football school, but it's a basketball school too. I'm sorry. I just said it, but whatever. It's at the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh no, he said it again. I almost let that go past, but you brought up the F word. We'll have to we'll get some editing skills to bleep that out. He really, he, he thought he was something when, when Pearl said that, didn't he? He gave this big smirk when he said, yep. but we're in everything school. Everything school <laughs> he yeah. was like in a 1950s commercial or something. We haven't talked about this, but uh, the, the announcers said, or, or they said Bruce said, I didn't catch it exactly, but somebody said, KD giveth and he taketh away with the old yeah. language and everything. I was like, is that from us? Or did other people just, it's, it's a very common thing to, to think when you watch him play, but I still think that was cool. Yeah, I don't know if like, I, I mean, I don't think, we, I don't know if we necessarily like encouraged, I don't know, it's Pablo, it's us, we did the interview, we did the, the whole get the deep fried memes in there, we know that the sports people listen to us, that several people that work for the sports department do listen at times, but I wonder the give and take, I can't imagine that that made all the way to Bruce, like I don't think that's an <laughs> uncommon enough thing, anyways, I take it all back, we did it, you're welcome Bruce. <laughs> We're claiming championships like another team in the state in, uh, in other sports, yeah. um, anyway. Cool, man. I, I don't know if you have any other final thoughts. I just want to say I am thrilled. How many? Almost 4,000. Over 4,000 memes as we look right now on the Kentucky final score thing. So way to go, everybody. Way to mobilize. Uh, we, again, we just want to. And there'll probably be even more, but so many students were exhausted after their <laughs> camping out. They probably didn't have time. Also, we, shout out to Max or Matt on his keeping his phone battery. I thought for sure at any moment. He wouldn't have phone yeah. battery. Think about it. He was out there for 24 hours with his phone tweeting stuff and bringing out things. Like, I don't know how those kids, like. Kids these days. Shout out to all of them, man. Through the cold, through everything. There's so many things you can be doing right now, and that's what they chose to do. I, I was going to say, just the last thing I thought was just a shout out to everybody. You know, Auburn, we can be a very cynical people at times because of a lot of cultural things and dealing with our rival in-state and things just like you said we always have to fight a little harder for things it was so cool to see the Pearlville thing for the students I thought you made a great point about COVID and how their lives have been impacted by that to have this like pinnacle moment almost of an experience that they'll never have again but I mean yeah, he mentioned Allie Davidson and all the people on Auburn Twitter who I, it really is a special thing and sometimes you just need to be reminded that like the reason Auburn's cool is because people actually care about it and they're not just going to like turn it off when the team's not doing well. I know it's easy to say we're winning right now. The cool thing is how people interact and provide and care for the students. And like you hear about this and you want to be a part of it. And it's that small community roots type thing that even you in New York so far away, you know, you, you look at that with pride almost. So I, a shout out to the students, shout out to people who supported the students. They'll figure something out administratively. I think it caught some people off guard for sure, but just a cool weekend. I've had so much fun following it. I'm five hours away and it was just, it was really cool. Yeah, shout out. Yeah. You're talking about the family or whatever. And we'll, we'll end this podcast here in a second, but shout out to New York city Auburn club too. It made me a little sad this morning when I woke up because for so many F word games and even basketball games in the last couple of years, 
I've gotten up excited on a Saturday or Tuesday or whatever and headed to St. Pat's in, in Midtown. And I like, there's certain people in that, in that group that I don't, I don't text or talk to or phone call that often, but man, I'm excited every time they walk in the bar around the same time for tip off or for kickoff when we get our beers together and we hug and pay each other's back. And I've been, you know, trying to be careful with COVID and haven't made it for any basketball games yet, but just made me sad to know that several of them would be there that I'm not going to get that same, like, yeah, and it, 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 there are clubs for every, every other alumni base, but there's something about the Auburn one that really feels like we're part of something. And maybe it's because of how we are in the state, like you said, but it feels like you choose to be in this family or whatever. And that it really, you know, our family is so corny or whatever, but it feels like that people really embrace that, you know, and I, I think chicken or the egg, I think we were already the Auburn family before we marketed the Auburn family. And that just on top of that has increased this like idea of, being responsible for each other, the creed stuff. I get also get irritated about creed stuff. People start quoting the creed at me because I cussed at a referee or something, but it's a thing. People really take this stuff seriously and try to look after each other, you know? So we're well, equal guys. I, I wanted to say you, you hit a great point. We, I know we've got some younger listeners now. If you listen to this whole thing, shout out to you. You're great. Um, one of the best things that you and I have done in our different cities and stuff we've moved to is kind of connect with the Auburn club in your city. Uh, if you're in a bigger urban area, like if that's an option for you, that's a great way to meet people and engage with that. It's, it's, it's hard to leave Auburn. Auburn's a great place. It's a lot of fun. Um, you have moments like, you know, students had this weekend, but connect with that um, group. It's been, I know you were in Nashville for a while and the people doing the Nashville Auburn Club, I, that's where I went today to watch the game. They did a terrific job. Um, a lot of fun, great venue. Um, so just for, if you are a student and you're thinking that like Matt's graduating, you know, this spring, uh, wherever you end up, like find your, find your people. It makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, Matt. War Eagle. War Eagle. Seven and oh. Yes. Never done a lost podcast. Never lost in regulation. Number one. We should be number one by the time we do our next podcast. We, we expect it. What's the guy's name? Jesse Newell. Jesse Newell, I'm coming for you, Jesse. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you in the face with some memes. If you don't do number one, put us, put us at number five, at least you coward. Coward! <laughs> War Eagle. War Eagle.